Thinking alone I try With words unspoken Silent cry A breath is frozen With blinded eyes What's going on? Welcome back to Rogue Opinions My name is Nathan And with me today is a wondrous man And now famous man Because he has been live on the PPV commentating it is unlike scott not my nemesis but my best friend jimmy baxter oh thank you thank you i am not used to getting such warm reactions and like lovely introductions yes i was uh l-i-v-e on the ppv on the f-i-t-e dot tv um uh for uncanny attractions drags and dropkicks uh a nightmare on wyckoff avenue that happened fucking i don't know two days ago at this at this point as we are recording um and if you haven't checked it out go check it out it's on fight network uh, search drags and dropkicks um if you are offended by drag queens show may not be for you but if you like good wrestling and you have an open mind and it's 2019 so god willing you do go and check it out yeah exactly and either search from fight head over to at un- uncanny underscore attract or head over to us at Rogue Underscore Opinion. We've tweeted out all the links for Fight TV as well. And the good thing about Fight TV as well, especially for this pay-per-view, you, could, you get as many watches as you want for your under $10, $9.99. That's a great price. That is a great price. That is an, uh, a really, really great price. And it was a great show. I mean, uh, MV Young and uh, Funny Bone, like, murdered it. I thought those guys were going to go... 60 70 minutes and just kill one another we set up uh, a big a big hood slam versus uncanny attraction show that's going to be taking place wrestlemania weekend in tampa bay florida uh and if i can afford it i'm gonna go and try and do commentary on that as well so it'll be fun it'll be a lot of fun it's good so what was your is this the first time you've been live on fight tv uh, no, actually, the, the first time was also with Uncanny Attractions uh, back WrestleMania weekend. Uh, it was the night before WrestleMania in Brooklyn, New York at the House of Yes. Uh, I got to call MV Young versus Casanova Valentine. Uh, Effie was in action. The Bundertaker made his uh, first appearance. Who uh, the, Bundertaker, the Bundertaker came back uh, on Wednesday. Uh, he did the whole, uh, he comes out to like a trap remix of The Undertaker's theme. Um, and he comes out like in the cloak and whatever. Uh, I've discussed this before on the podcast, but uh, he uh, he comes out and he rolls into the ring and he does the sit up. And on commentary, the first thing that popped into my head was the yeast has risen. The Undertaker is here, <laughs> or whatever. And that's why they pay me. That's why they pay me my rate to go and be on pay per view for people. Oh, and that, that's why you get paid the big bucks here as oh. well. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, through constant contract negotiations, which is why you haven't been hearing much of me lately. Pretty much. Multiple <laughs> agents. There's, Multiple there's three agents. stages of putting a deal together with Jimmy. Agent yeah. one. Agent one, you make the appointment with agent one, but really you're trying to negotiate to make it to agent two. And agent two, for some reason, is in a steel cage. Agent two is and in a steel then... cage. And agent three is just like he lives like across like he lives like in the uk so like it i have to mail everything to him on snail mail because that's how he prefers to do business and just take some time it it takes some time but after agent three that's when that's when you can negotiate with jimmy yeah Uh, it's weird because instead of instead of 
using words. Jimmy just uses alcohol, and you have to actually have to out drink Jimmy, and then he'll sign the contract. It's 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 getting easier and easier as I get older. <laughs> Believe me, I used to be able to, uh, and I know the phrasing sounds weird, but I used to drink guys under the table at bars. Okay, so <laughs> phrasing. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, so, so it wasn't, uh, it, yeah, this it wasn't the first time I was on fight. Um, the first time was a uh, WrestleMania weekend. This was the second time. Hopefully it won't be the last time. Um, yeah, it was a hell of a lot of fun. It's a different experience, uh, than doing like your normal, uh, indie show. Uh, we had headsets. I could hear, I could hear the production guys, like the sound guys who were off on another balcony across the room. Um, I had a cough button. So I was able to like hit the button and just go like, what the fuck is it? No, no, I'm kidding. I was able to hit the button and like, I was able to hit the button and like take a sip of water. So I wasn't being like obnoxious or, um, there were a couple of times, this is a, I'm going to peel back the curtain for you, brother. Uh, there were a couple of times where, uh, the ring announcer, Mark Adam Haggerty, which if you don't know Mark Adam Haggerty, he is the ring announcer for Chikara. Um, I believe he was the. Was it the Minister of Fun or the Commissioner of Fun? Whatever they do over there in Chicago. Um, and he's a great guy. He's one of like my favorite people in the business. He's just so fucking funny. Um, they do a, a web series called Locker Dicks where um, they are like uh, intrepid reporters in the backstage area. And they try and solve like where the card went and who, why isn't this person here yet? And they're supposed to be wrestling soon. And, you know, like wrestling like mysteries so they're like locker room private detectives but uh they're they're at locker dicks and they're great they're just really funny guys uh and so there were a couple of times where um i was standing closest to where the talent would come through so mark would come up to me or the nobodies would come up to me or um just uh, assorted other people from production would come up and they would ask me questions so i would hit the cough button so nobody could hear me live on pay-per-view and i would try my best to uh you know get through to them what they whatever they needed whether it was music or whatever the next match was or because there was a lot of moving around you know as there is with wrestling the cards always moving around and whatnot so um like it was very it was very interesting doing live television for real you know it's 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 an interesting thing rather than recording things on my laptop in a in a building which i enjoy as well so that's okay then. So what um are you are you you might have already said this, so sorry if I miss if I didn't hear you. Are you color or play by play? I lean more towards play by play, but um it it depends on where I am for the most part, because um for these one off shows um that I uh that there there isn't like a long standing uh sort of like storyline going on for anything yet. Um especially when I'm doing things with my buddy Scotty Sariti, uh who brought me into the, the business. Uh, we, we like to just do it where it's like two dudes watching wrestling and talking out loud as they're doing, they're watching the wrestling. Um, but I do definitely lean more towards play by play cause I know all the move names and Scott's more of a guy who like knows the performers more than I do. So he knows like what to say about them, where they've wrestled it, That's sort of like his gig. So I do definitely lean more towards uh play by play. That's good. And who, uh, uh, you say when you got bought into bit, did you always want to do commentary? And who was kind of the commentator that you kind of take mo- the most amount of inspiration for from? Um, so uh, w- 
I, I never really thought about it as much. Uh, like, it got kind of brought up to me when um, the company I work for, Pro Wrestling Magic, um, had sort of like a big backlog of shows that didn't have commentary on them. And I was doing a podcast at the time with my buddy Scott, um, uh, the Moves Crew podcast, which is it's still up there. You can listen to some of that stuff or, or follow us on Twitter or whatever. We're, we're trying to figure some stuff out now, but with so many irons on the fire, it's hard to get that going again. But uh, he just came to me at one point. He had already been ring announcing for like six months, a year or something like that. And he was like, hey, we, I might need you to help me do commentary. Um, and I said, oh, I've, I've never really done it. And he's like, dude, you've been watching wrestling for 20 years. Like, you know, the basic thing to do with it. And I always really enjoyed like Joey Styles, uh, from ECW. And I always really enjoyed like, of course, JR, the King, um, and Mauro Ranallo. Um, I get told all the time that, uh, people can hear me from the other side of the venue. Um, because yeah, I, I, I get people coming up to me. I actually got people coming up to me from the house of yes show on Wednesday and the house of yes is sort of like, it's like a dance club. So it's like a fairly large room and I'm up on a balcony yelling into uh, like a headset. And, um, I, I had people coming up to me just going like, Oh, and you were, you were fucking hilarious. Like uh, you were saying this, 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 and this. And I was like, how did you fucking hear me? And they were like, Oh no, no, no. we could fucking hear you. Like I had performers, <laughs> I had performers who were in the ring, going like, "You need to learn to quiet down because you were almost popping me in the ring while I'm performing." Because sometimes I like to try and pop my commentary partners just for fun, just because it's it's interesting to me to try and get them to fuck up, just because like it makes it feel more real and more like aesthetically pleasing. I got well, no aesthetics is eyes, but whatever, orally pleasing, you know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> phrasing, <laughs> not orally, orally the ears. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I also, I, I also do like solo commentary on this project that we're working on. Um, I think it's solo commentary for now. Um, the pro wrestling magic, we're releasing a, uh, a YouTube. I know this just sounds like one long fucking advertisement for what I do, <laughs> but I have I I just happen to have a lot going on right now. Uh, so in like six months, when I have nothing going on. Uh, you'll be like, "Hey Jim, so what are your plugs?" And it's like, I don't know. It's fine. Before, before we get to Crown Jewel, we thought we'd get all the progression out of the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's exactly because we're we're predominantly here to talk about Crown Jewel, but we're off air, yeah. like we're gonna we're gonna peel back the curtain, brother. I uh, I I know we haven't said it, but I'm fairly confident that's what i would have titled it so if any if, in fact people are probably surprised at this point that they're like hey talk about crown jewel oh i'm <laughs> sure i'm sure the hundreds of people that listen to us the dozens and dozens of people that listen <laughs> to us they they're just like but it's like when millhouse was watching uh the fucking itchy and scratchy when they brought poochie on he's like but when are they gonna get to the fireworks factory <laughs> That's we'll, what people we'll get, are waiting for. We'll get to the fireworks. There were a lot of fireworks. We'll get to the fireworks. There was a lot of fireworks. It was but, um, Tyson Fury alone. Um, so, yeah, um, we're doing this thing on YouTube and Facebook as of the 11th of November called Monday Morning Magic. For you guys over in the UK, it would be like Monday early afternoon magic. Um, that doesn't roll off the tongue as easily. Um, yeah, so, so it's called Monday Morning Magic. Or Triple M, if you're, like, 
in the know, you know. Um, and uh, we're going to be doing uh, like never before seen matches, uh, things that the uh, the booking committee um, has finally allowed to be let out into the public eye. This is normally stuff that the booking committee will watch and decide who's going to get on to the, the main shows. And uh, we're finally able to put that stuff out there. So hopefully uh, when that stuff starts coming out, I'll be able to give you guys more of a who's who and what's what and what's going on with that. Cause I have to go film a whole bunch of shit on Sunday and uh, should be a whole lot of fun. Well, we will look forward to that. As we say, head over to either, either fight TV, just look for uh, drags and drop kicks, uh, head over to us. If you uh, rather over on Twitter at rogue underscore opinion, we would have tweeted out the fight link for the show on Wednesday or head over to uncanny underscore attract. And that's where you can find, you'll be able to find all the future dates, I presume, on there as well, won't you? Absolutely, yeah. And uh, one other quick little thing. If you go onto Facebook and you just look for Pro Wrestling Magic, uh, that's where I do most of my work at the moment. And if you aren't already bored to tears with the way that I talk now, you'll be able to see a whole bunch more of my stuff uh, moving forward as we unveil our brand new YouTube show in 10 days. Well, everyone, look forward to that. But let's get to why we are here. Oh, we're going to talk about the Joker movie? We are. Of course we're going to talk (laughs) about Joker. It's been a while since Joker came out. and But but let's talk about it. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was creepy. I thought it was pretty damn disturbing at times. I thought it was an incredible take on the Joker character. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix, which hopefully I've pronounced that correctly. I thought it was just superb. Oh, he uh, was he was just eating the scenery in this movie in the best way. Oh, definitely, yeah. He was munching down on that scenery. Um, there was some incredible tension in the film. <laughs> there was some incredible tension in, in the movie. I think the scene that everyone ended up talking about it ended up becoming a meme as well was definitely the scene with the door. And the guy who wasn't tall enough to reach the latch. Yes, yes, that, um, that seems that was, good. That was incredible. The twist when he ended up in the apartment as well, in the girl's apartment. Uh, and of was course, just, the, uh, the talk show segment towards the end. Oh, 100%. Just, I, it, was, it was everything that I wanted it to be. There was a hell of a lot of hype around the film, and I think it lived up and if not exceeded it. And I just hope... I do hope they find a way to get him to do more. I know Joaquin has said before that he doesn't want to do franchises. He's very much an artist. Uh, or that's the way that he sees his kind of acting style. I hope there's a bag of money big enough to convince him to put on the makeup one more time. But uh, what did you make of it? Um, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I kind of just decided to look at it from... Because obviously... Todd Phillips is a big fan of Martin Scorsese and like King of Comedy and uh, Taxi Driver and those movies because like this movie is like and not in a bad way. This movie is just sort of like those two movies sort of crammed together. It's kind of a throwback as well to a way that they would make films before. Yeah. And uh, most of this movie, fun fact uh, for everybody who loved it, most of this movie was actually filmed in, like, Newark in Jersey City, New Jersey. Um, And, of course, the iconic stair scene that everybody's emulating that was in the Bronx. And everybody's like, stay out of our neighborhood! 
um, they're like they can go fuck off because uh, it's a cool set of stairs. And if you want to dress up like the Joker in the middle of the day and you know dance down some stairs as like your friend records you do it, like cool, do it. It's awesome. Like enjoy the movie the way you want to enjoy the movie. Um, I had I had some problems with the movie uh, overall. I think it like it maybe could have had maybe twenty. 25 minutes shaved off of it in some places. You know what I mean? I think the um, the the bit with the Waynes, especially when we got to see the Waynes getting killed and stuff, I think that was very much shoehorned in. And I suspect they have... That, that felt like a reshoot. It's it's definitely felt like shoehorned in because I if I'm correct in uh, guessing this as I'm stalling to type in uh, the thing. <laughs> um, yes, Joaquin Phoenix is 45 years old. So if the character that he's playing in the movie is his actual age, um, by the time Batman is Batman, Joker will be 70 plus years old. I just don't. I don't think they were portraying wacky and phoenix as his actual age i think they are i think i would bet not a big amount of money but i would bet a small amount of money like we're talking a pound that that was reshoots i don't reckon that was in the first original cut i think they've done that with the hope that they can convince wacky to do the robert pattinson batman mm. Yeah, I mean, Which I guess like, I wouldn't be object object to that. I know Robert Patterson is—is is it Patterson or Pattinson? I don't know. He's one of you guys. You should know. No, it's okay. Pattinson. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I know he's kind of stained by Twilight in terms of acting ability or what's the scene back there. But he's a, he's a damn good actor. Honestly, though, they like could have based on the movies he's done since he's done everything to get away from that like uh, i haven't seen it yet but uh the lighthouse looks fucking phenomenal and i was told about some uh like detective or crime syndicate movie that he did or like a, it's like a bank robbery movie or something I i'm butchering this to to holy hell but um but like i've heard that he's just done phenomenal work lately and um if he's gonna be fucking batman like i mean obviously he is gonna be batman but if he's gonna be batman like i'm all for it like let's do it like I mean, although Jensen Ackles from Supernatural did put out a picture of him, his costume from um, Halloween this year in a custom made Batman suit. And now all I want is him as Batman. Um, you love you love that show so much. Don't you? I really do. I've spent <laughs> 10 years of my life watching this show and I really do love it. I really do love it. If you can get past the fact that it's 15 fucking seasons uh, and they're 22 episodes a season, except for season three, which is 13 episodes. Um, like, and all the writers went on strike. Or did they just do yeah. it for a random reason? No, no, it was the writer strike season, yeah. Like, Lost, it happened to Lost, it happened to fucking House, it happened to every show that was on That was the networks best the thing that happened to Lost. <laughs> no, I mean, it really did. Uh, season four of Lost, don't even get me fucking started. Don't even get no, me fucking started. Let's not talk about Lost, let's not talk about Lost. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, Joker, um, I honestly think that even with the face paint in the movie and stuff, like, and that ending, like, okay, spoilers, five, four, three, two, one. Um, with the ending where there were all those people in the paint and there was the riot going on and stuff, you could have taken the name Joker off of this movie and, like, 
not tried to play people's emotions as much as possible, and you could have kept the movie pretty much exactly the same way it was, and it still would have been as good as it is. There's that scene at the end in the talk show that, like, you knew something was going to happen the whole time, but you didn't know exactly what. And in the comic books, well, there they, is... They played it up that he was going um, to he was gonna kill himself. That's what they yeah. played up. That was the whole... It felt like it was building to that, which would have been realistic based on um, what Joaquin Phoenix had been saying, which is he doesn't want to do a franchise, and he wanted he wants this to be a one-off. And this plays plays into like this sort of like new. I don't I don't know how new it is, but it's kind of new to me. Like ever since Gotham came out, where like the Joker isn't like just a person; he's sort of like a like a. Like a, he's like a state he's of the, mind. He's the same as Batman, isn't he? He's um, they've turned Joker almost into it's like Batman in uh, Christian Bale's Batman. Batman Begins, where he's like, if you can be a symbol, that's kind of. I can be a symbol for this. <laughs> I'm gonna go do a Terminator sequel. I'll be right back. <laughs> I'm going to get super Welsh on a guy for fucking standing in my eyeline, which I get. I get it. It's got to be weird and, and hard to have somebody who's in your eyeline and shit. But you don't have to be like, who the fuck are you? Who the fuck? Oh, God, I forgot about that. Yeah, it was a fucking, it was a fucking PA. He fucking went off on a PA. And you just see fucking like shit all over this PA. He was just, who the fuck? You fucking walking in my eyeline. Oh. I don't oh, yeah. But, but yeah, but yeah, that's kind of what the so this might not even be the Joker that eventually the next Joker that Batman faces. This could just be a setup for who the Joker um, is inspired by, and you could do a fun thing with that if Joaquin Phoenix doesn't want to carry on. Yeah, like you could put in like news reports of like the riot and the incident that happens on tv and stuff like you could have like newspaper clippings and this guy like is like like really this whole movie is just a referendum on the mental health the state of mental health in the world like in the mental health system um which uh, i mean i mean listen everybody has their own shit so i'm not going to sit here and you know blather on about like suffering from depression or whatever because everybody's fucking depressed but no, it's true. Everybody's pretty fucking p- pissed off and depressed all the time. But why do you, why do you think we do podcasts? Exactly, because you think <laughs> do you think do you think people want to watch me talk? No, they they are more they are more happy to download it and fast forward through my inane rants uh, and whatnot. But like uh, on a serious note, like I like there are some mornings I c- I can't get out of bed. There are some mornings that I don't want to turn the lights on. There are some mornings I don't want to get in my car and go to work. Um, And this movie, what it did for me was that it sort of normalized some of the feelings that I'm feeling sometimes where like, yeah, it. I mean, I'm not going to go on fucking Fallon and put a gun in his mouth as much as I would love fucking get that hack off my TV. Uh, No. Yeah, yeah. He's turned he's turned that show into like a meme factory. Like it's clickbait that show. That's all that is. It's clickbait. All those shows are now. Yeah, I will not. No, I mean, uh, well, Corden aside, because Corden is just no. The you can keep him. We don't want him back. No, sir. We don't no, want sir. him back. 
he still lives, <laughs> he lives here part time, and he goes home, and he can fuck off back to home whenever he no. wants to. We we gave him to you as a present. <laughs> oh, thanks. Did did you conveniently forgot to fucking leave the gift receipt in the bag? Okay. <laughs> we just dropped him off. Uh, um, what's the what? LA airport called? Is, it, is JFK the LA one? You safe havened him. On our doorstep. Yeah, we just dropped him off and it drove off really quick. <laughs> oh, man. But no, uh, what, what, it, what this movie did was it sort of normalized, like, it sort of made me feel better about the the times where I'm not, like, laughing yeah. at a good time. And I think that's the staying power of this movie. For me, at least, I know a lot of people are like, ooh, Todd Phillips just likes Scorsese movies. Yeah, I like Scorsese movies, too. And if I had the opportunity to make a mashup of arguably like two of the top five Scorsese movies of all time with Joaquin fucking Phoenix acting his fucking balls off. And yeah, fucking why not? God did the handle. Like well, why wouldn't you do something like that? So overall I enjoyed it. I just enjoyed the hell out of it. And yeah, I hope it was a great movie. I hope that we get more. I hope that maybe we get like an old man Joker thing with Joaquin in the new Batman, where, like, I don't remember what comic it is, but there is, like, an old man Joker that's, like, just sitting in Arkham, and he's sort of, like, a, um, like, a mastermind or something. Oh, God, can you imagine if they did a Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, but he's in Arkham, and, um, Gordon is having to go see the Joker to help him deal with something, so it's basically Silence of the Lambs? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be so good. And they, got, they got Jeffrey Wright as uh, Commissioner That's Gordon, Gordon. Yeah. which is fucking perfect. Pretty Absolutely much. Perfect. Catwoman's going to be in it. Penguin is yet, to, I think uh, it's not, a, it's a Zoe Kravitz is Catwoman, which is cool. Yeah. I'm all about that. Uh, I would have preferred maybe like Zazie Beats because uh, I love her as Domino and stuff. I would love to see Zazie Beats do Catwoman. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, but I'm I'm happy with Zoe Kravitz. Like, that's awesome. We're gonna get Riddler. I don't remember who they announced as Riddler. Oh, they. If you can Google it quick, yeah, they announced it the other day. It's got just escaped from my head as well. They did a yeah, cool poster reveal for I'm it. I'm currently like looking and typing my ass off at the moment, and I'm reading and I'm reading. No, not the fucking goddamn it. Oh, I typed in the. <laughs> Paul the, Dano. Paul Dano, thank you. Oh, and that's fucking... God damn it, it's going to be so good. But yeah, Jeffrey Wright sitting down in a room with old man Joker. Like, he already does that on Westworld. With I don't know if you watch Westworld at all, but the uh, Evan Rachel Wood character, there's a lot of scenes where he's sitting down and interviewing this robot who works in Westworld. Uh, played by Evan Rachel Wood. And if you have one of those scenes where Jeffrey Wright is just able to be Jeffrey Wright killing it, like, I, uh, I, I have so much, like, goodwill towards this movie already. Like, I'm all for this whole idea with the Batman, so. It's going to be great. Hopefully Wacky and Phoenix uh, will be there. That's really all we can say. But if you've not seen Joker, go watch Joker. Why haven't you watched it? God's yeah. sake. If you haven't seen Joker and you sat through all of the spoilers that I just rattled off, um, go see it because you should see 
what I'm talking about. Like, it's it has to be seen to be believed. Pretty much. And something else that has to be seen to be believed uh, took place in good old Saudi Arabia. We were allowed to say it this time. Uh, yeah, well, when they're there, they are fine to say it. They apparently Ric Flair got some heat for uh, I haven't been watching a lot of the main roster. So like I'm in the Nathan role, the normal Nathan role here where I haven't really been watching the main roster at all. Um, but yeah, apparently Ric Flair cut a promo where he was just like, where are we uh, next week? Uh, fucking uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, fucking Saudi Arabia or whatever. And like he just he's lost the plot and he needs to fucking chill. Oh, yeah. Um, I've been watching Smackdown. I've been really enjoying Smackdown um since it's come back so i've been watching i've not been watching any of raw so that took place on raw so that was out of my wheelhouse but i have heard that his promos have been insane oh yeah he was definitely the old racist uncle at the family barbecue or whatever (laughs) fit right in on this show then (laughs) uh listen listen Sir, I'm joking. They're not racist. Exactly. <laughs> WWE bought the racist with them. Not, not, we're not on the air anyway. Not on the air anyway. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, WWE Crown Jewel 2019. It was bonkers. Yeah, uh, but I had a good time of it. It was on at a normal time for us. But conveniently, it started before I finished work, so that's nice of them um, to not sort of change all the time zones for me. How dare uh, they not accommodate your work schedule for this uh, Saudi Arabia blood money show? <laughs> Jimmy, what was your viewing experience for WWE Crown Jewel 2019? Uh, my viewing experience was waking up hungover an hour into the show uh, and then diving in and falling asleep during certain portions, but I made sure to like get the, uh, the gist of what was going on. I saw all the major matches and whatnot. And, um, my feeling on it was, is, um, honestly, I, I kind of enjoyed it for how shit it was at points and how, like how it was just this like really expensive house show. Yeah. I think the big advantage WWE has capitalized on is that the show's aren't very long now like they're fr- they're three to three and a half hours so, like the bigger ones sometimes creep up towards four but bear in mind the last couple of years we've been used to every pay-per-view is five plus hours like the pay-per-views really don't feel that bad anymore just because you're like oh it's nearly over <laughs> like, yeah kind of my feeling on this one and there wasn't well there would have been a million matches except one of the matches um kind of went on forever which we'll get to but we will get to that yeah let's just jump back in i didn't watch the pre-show did you neither did i i did i could not be bothered there was a battle royal for a shot of the u.s title which was won by humberto calio uh he last eliminated Thanks, man. He last eliminated Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. Not at the same time. Rowan turned on Harper when he fought Harper and eliminated Khalil. And then Khalil came from behind and won. He is still dressed like a Power Ranger, but he's not the only Power Ranger. But we will get to him later. The show opens. Billion fireworks. 
uh, a good video package as well, which kind of got you a bit hyped for this show. And then the crowd, which we're not used to really being that into shows in Saudi Arabia, but they were hot as fuck for this. And then Brock Lesnar's music hits and the crowd exploded, which, which was kind of a theme for the night, which maybe helped with the enjoyment of the show because the crowd was super into everything, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's something that I came... Uh, also, like, the aesthetic of the crowd changed a little bit where they didn't have the Lazy Boys in the first, yeah. like, six rows, and then there wasn't that giant gap between, like, the like the Saudi, like, Prince family and then the normies on the outside. Uh, you had, like, just, like, a big crowd of just wrestling fans and that was something that was kind of endearing was that it felt and it looked more like a regular big stadium wrestling show and um they they were hot for everything i think they've gotten to sort of a plateau of like excitement for these shows now now that they know that they're coming twice a year for the next eight years Ugh. um and uh i mean i say ug but i really did enjoy the show um but they popped for some really like fun things like they were pretty much into almost everything um and i know we're gonna get to this later but their reaction for the women's match was fucking inspiring oh they went they went nuts and uh yeah we'll get to that um other people in the match that's probably worth mentioning you had uh people well sing carla you had um shelton benjamin you had cedric alexander and gelade was in there uh, there was a 24-7 title change during this where one of the Singh brothers, and I'm not going to remember which way round this is, but uh, R-Truth came from under the ring after the Singh brothers got eliminated, rolled up whichever one had the 24-7 title, and then he won, so R-Truth won it during the match. So he's now the champion. That plays into some other stuff that happens later. But Humberto Calio won, won the shot at the US title later in the night. And that was pretty much all that happened on the kickoff show that I could find the rest of it. We're kind of just video packages and talking between Charlie Caruso, Scott Stanford, Booker T and Otunga. His first name has just disappeared from my head. David Otunga. David Otunga. <laughs> That's how boring he is. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so yeah, onto the main card. Uh, fireworks opening video package Brock Lesnar crowd explodes he's facing Kane Velasquez Rey Mysterio comes out first to a ginormous pop um, to say we have pyro would be an understatement and then out comes Kane Velasquez I am to pull back the curtain on the rogue opinions curtain we were meant to record this last night and I think our assessment of this match would have been very different then the fact that we are recording this instead of straight after the show, we're now recording this on Friday, and we are now aware of why this match only went 2 minutes and 15 seconds, because it uh, was very disappointing for people at the time, don't you think? Oh, dude, yeah. I mean, uh, we were we were chatting a bit during the show because we were obviously watching it uh, around the same time. I think you may you may have been like forty five minutes about, ahead or so. Yeah, I was forty five to an hour. Um, ahead of you. and I was miffed to say the least uh, at this match only going two minutes and ten seconds because 
I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you uh, my reaction at the time and then my reaction now to it. Uh, my reaction at the time pretty much was, um, what the fuck? I saw some of those clips from AAA. This is not the Can Velasquez I expected. Uh, this was not the match that I expected based on the buildup. But this guy got signed when he had like a surgery he's already been putting off. So the guy signed a three-year deal, I guess, for the health benefits. What the fuck ever. Um, then um, those things came true once uh, Big Dave, Big Papa Dave, uh, Dave Meltzer decided to uh, let everyone know that like this was the match that they could do. This was just about what they could do. And if this was all they could do, fine. But, I mean, if it had to happen anywhere, it's got to happen in Saudi. So, sure. Hopefully this continues. So, I mean, I'm sort of more ambivalent about it now than I was. But I was very angry at the time, for sure. Yeah. So, the word is that Cain uh, Velasquez, unfortunately, had an injury. The word was... Basically, they didn't think it was as bad as it was when they announced the match. And then after Cain Velasquez went for some more updates after they'd announced his Saudi match, doctors basically said to him, you're putting off the inevitable. So this was all they could put on. Uh, Yeah, it was very disappointing. Very disappointing. There were some cool kicks in there. They played it very much like it was a shoot, brother, brother. Uh, lots of strikes. There was no wrestling moves. Cain Velasquez didn't even take a German that I can remember him taking. There were some takedowns. In the ending, came. Cain Velasquez did like a UFC double leg takedown. Got on top, went for some strikes. Brock grabbed him for a Kimura. Cain Velasquez tapped out. And then presumably uh, that's when Brock Lesnar's pilot handed him the sort of menu for the in-flight meals for his return. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and off he went so yeah this it just it was just sort of flat and disappointing really and i'm gonna give it when you made a restaurant res- reservation like a week in advance and you get there and the first three things you ask for the very nice waitress says they don't have and you're like, oh, I'll have the lamb chops. You're like, oh, we sorry, we don't actually have lamb tonight. Oh, okay, no worries. I'll have kind of um, the prawn paella. And they're like, oh, sorry, we don't have prawns tonight. And you're like, okay, uh, I'll have the spaghetti bolognese. And they're like, oh, sorry, we're actually out of spaghetti. You're like, just give me whatever you've got. Just fuck it. I'll take a burger. Fuck it. Whatever. Yeah, I'll just, I'll um, just have a burger. And they're like, we don't have fries, so you'll have to have, like, crisps or what you guys call chips. Yeah, like, I mean, just... Fuck's sake. Okay, um, fine. It's a wounded restaurant. It's a wounded, wounded restaurant for oh, sure. Oh, we didn't. We haven't mentioned how oily Cain Velasquez was. Oh, I was gonna get to that in like two oh, seconds. He looked. <laughs> he looked like he was fucking melting, like actually fucking melting. He looked like like he had just like they had had like just before Gorilla. They had had, like, a slip and slide that dove into a kiddie pool filled with, like, vegetable oil. And then he came out of the <laughs> of the fucking curtain. Like, because Rey Mysterio came out and he stood there while his music played for a little bit. And that, like, 
horrible music they have for Cain Velasquez. Like, the worst decision that they have made so far this year is to, and I know this is a big statement, but the worst decision they made this year is, like, letting the CFOs go. Because I think that if you're going to have Cain Velasquez come out to fucking baseline, I mean, bottom of the fucking barrel reggaeton, what are, what is this, 2009? Like, like... He's just coming out to sounds mixed with doom, 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 and it's just like, yeah, he's Mexican, right? Well, it is. He must be friends with Rey Mysterio. Like, like, just I mean, the okay. First, the good. Okay, the thing I want to see coming out of this is Rey Mysterio versus Brock Lesnar. I think that that match could probably be pretty fucking good. Granted, I don't think Brock Lesnar's going to win. Uh, Brock Lesnar's going to lose to Rey Mysterio, but I think it would be pretty cool if they just had like a street fight or something, especially with the way they had that real sloppy sort of like chairs exchange at the end. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but I Lesnar took a shot to the head with a with a steel chair. He did yeah. And um, he took it like a fucking champion. And then fucking Rey Mysterio, the thing that stood out to me from the chair attack, at least, was uh, Rey Mysterio, like, slapped his ass with the with the, the chair shot. And I was just like, ooh, big, getting a wee bit kinky now. Um, <laughs> but overall, like, all this did was just, like, sort of kill Cain Velasquez to me. Like, what the fuck do I give a shit about Cain yeah. Velasquez now? Like, the guy looks like he, A, he's fucking melting. B, he looks like... Every, like, and don't fucking at me on Twitter, but, like, because I grew up a lot uh, around a lot of, like, Spanish families, and I've been to cookouts with guys who look like Cain Velasquez looks now, okay? What am I supposed to give a shit about? He's up against Brock Lesnar, who's 40 fucking three years old and looks like he's 39. Like, he looks in great fucking shape most of the time. Say whatever you want about whatever he's taking to get into that, allegedly. But, like, Cain Velasquez couldn't fucking take a little shot in the ass two weeks before the fucking show and look like he fucking tried. Like, I'm sorry. I know the guy could murder me, like, in my sleep. He could murder me while I'm shooting him at point blank range with a shotgun. But still. Uh, have you listened to um, Mark Merrow on the Steve Austin podcast? No. I have not. Okay, so Mark Merrow was on it. This is a new, new episode. It was on Tuesday. And, um... He's talking about basically his marriage with Sable breaking down. And he's talking about how Sable went back on the road in obviously the early 2000s. And uh, spoilers for a Rogue Retro Smackdown review, listeners. But, um, oh, we're, oh, we're still doing that, right? Yeah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. But, but um, he's talking about when, he, when she went back on the road and he was staying at home with the kids. And he... Aunt Sable would ring up every single night, say goodnight to the kids, say goodnight to Mark, blah, 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 when she was on the road. Then he said the calls started getting less and less frequent, and he started getting very agitated, and he kind of guessed something was going on because Sable wouldn't call. She would just text and be like, oh, I'm not feeling so good. And um, we can all guess where this is leading. So he rang up and left a really shitty voicemail on Sable's voicemail about why she doesn't call and stuff. But then he... He also, because they've been married so long, he could get access to her voicemail from his phone because they knew each other's passwords and shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 
he went onto her voicemail to delete his shitty voicemail before she listened to it because apparently he said he said some really horrible things that he regretted. And there was a voicemail there from a guy talking about and Sable as a couple. And he just went, you learn a lot about forgiveness and about being angry. And then I listened to the voicemail and it was from this guy. And I learned to forgive very, very quickly because it was Brock Lesnar. <laughs> yeah. And he was just like, when it's Brock Lesnar, there's not a lot else you could do but forgive the man. <laughs> and, um, and um, uh, yeah, uh, take, take Mark Merrow's in a really good place, which obviously he hasn't been in the past. So he sounded in really good form on the interview but it's really funny i've seen <laughs> i've seen some of those videos that he does at like high schools and stuff about like self-help and stuff and mark miro is i loved him i loved him growing up like i i really loved the whole like every time his music would hit that you know that whole yeah. thing he did that like shitty fucking boxer gimmick or whatever i fucking loved mark miro as a kid and like oh he's just uh he's just a great guy listening to him in the interview he's just a really he's had a lot of troubles and um and he was very open in the interview of austin about all the shit that he did in the past like he used to be basically he used to be a drug dealer and shit like that um before he was a wrestler and then he was still taking drugs when he was a wrestler yeah and, he's, uh, he's just a good guy he's just a good guy i think that oh and yes, I think... he's someone that he's someone that turned it around. he definitely turned it around but uh yeah back to back to what we're actually meant to be talking about i think ravy brock is going to be a definitely Cool feud. I mean, this is going to play into more of the main event, but we have two title feuds that are crossing shows, which kind of tells you something's got to give, given the fact that they've promised us separate rosters, because Ray's on Raw. Yes. And uh, spoilers for the main event, Bray's on SmackDown. (laughs) yeah yeah but i mean we'll get there i mean what would you what would you give the opening match um okay so i would give um this match uh 2 a.m you're walking home from the bar you come across a taco truck um and you get like these delicious looking tacos you get them you make it about four steps and some asshole like bumps you on the shoulder and you drop your tacos and they're on the floor for like 30 seconds but one of them one of them is still like acceptable so you scoop it up and cram it down your throat because you need some sort of fucking carbs before you know you're gonna end up like waking up super hungover um and that's what i'm gonna give it uh, I like to I like was, to paint a I like to paint a picture with words with my uh with my ratings. This wasn't um this wasn't my tweet, but I can't remember who sent it. Uh, during the Kane Velasquez Brock Lesnar match, I just saw someone tweet Velasquez is gonna want to get out of Saudi quick before America fucking invades. Yeah, <laughs> just when they saw how oily he looked. We we're, we're gonna build a wall around Saudi Arabia. <laughs> But not that guy. He's covered in oil. And, then, and the Mex <laughs> and the Mexicans are gonna pay for it. Cain Velasquez is gonna pay for the wall. <laughs> it's gonna be beautiful. It's pre-game impression. Oh yeah, oh, thank you. Everything with sad, <laughs> sad, sad. Absolutely. I, I, you can't see it, but I'm doing like the finger thing that he does, right? <laughs> sad, fake news. 
unbelievable witch hunt like <laughs> this, is a, this is a very political podcast without us talking about politics <laughs> but oh, um so speaking of brexit is it that no i'm kidding i'm kidding okay no um <laughs> speaking of unhappy to be here the revival uh <laughs> cut a promo backstage they talk about how they're the revival um they are the just Viking, sort of, they are just Viking sort of Rages. Hold on, I'm yeah, sorry. sorry. They are just sort of like waiting for their contract to be over, aren't they? Oh, 100%. They're not going to sign new deals. I will be amazed if they sign new deals. Um they've got like where are we now? We're in November now at time of recording. Just start came into November. Uh they've got what like 5 6 months left. Well, I know that one of them had four months added to their contract because of, um, I think it was Dash Wilder for the injury. They added four months to his contract. But I think pretty much after that, they're going to be in AEW. Oh, yeah. I'd be amazed. If they sign new deals, I will be stunned. Flabbergasted. um, Flabbergasted, for sure. Flabbergasted. Uh, The Viking Raiders promised to do viking stuff uh tag team turmoil for the world cup is next this match went too long uh bob robert rude and dolph ziggler started off against the lucha shit party and um dolph and i see dolph and drew dolph and rude one god they sound very similar then some other people came out and dolph and um let's skip a bit the new day came out and they did this was so boring this match was like i don't i I, i'm I'm struggling to break it down i've got notes right in front of me that tell me what happened and i'm just struggling to read it it went forever uh it looked like dolph and robert rude were going to be like the iron people then they weren't because heavy machinery beat them uh then the new day came out and beat heavy machinery then the revival came out, and it was like, "Oh, it's going to be the revival v New Day tomorrow on SmackDown." <laughs> of course it will. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> no, yeah, no, uh, it is not. No, apparently the apparently the SmackDown Live Tag Team Champions aren't considered essential personnel, so they're yeah, shacked up at the fucking Red Roof Inn in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, they definitely have a Red Roof Inn. And then um, the OC came, the OC came out because the revival lost, and then attacked the New Day to set up that tag match that's not happening. Uh, the OC won because they're the OC. They're the only club that matters. The original club, as they kept saying. Then the Viking Raiders came out, and then the OC won, and they got a big trophy. This and you know what? 32 minutes. 32 minutes and five seconds by my count oh, here. God. Um, God. I'm just happy that the uh, the not the no more machine, the bore machine, the I can't stand no more machine didn't win the fucking the fucking yeah. best tag team in the world thing. The OC fine. Luke Owls, Luke Owls and Carl Anderson. They need to win something, and obviously it's not going to be any titles anytime soon so whatever yeah this this was it was too long and i don't really get the war raiders or the war machine whatever they are 
Because they're always like, oh, my God, it's Ivar. He's so athletic. Like, no, he, he can do a fucking... I can do a cartwheel. Yeah, but... <laughs> I'm not athletic. <laughs> he, he can do a cartwheel. That doesn't make him ricochet. Stop talking them up and be like, this guy shouldn't be able to move like this for his size. You're like, yeah, he does... He, he kind of jogs. <laughs> and he can do a cartwheel. He doesn't, he's not fucking Usain Bolt. Like, <laughs> why do you, why are they building it up like he's so bloody athletic? He's not. Like he's, he's not fine. Motherfucker. He's, he's yeah, but they build him up so much. Like when they tag in the bigger one, which might be Ivar, I think it is. They're always like, oh, he sh- he's so athletic for his size. You know, is he? I mean, like, maybe he's fine. Like. He can kind of run, and he does a cartwheel. He's not like just the the Good Brothers one. Zack Ryder fucked up a neck breaker, and that was how fucked up. How fucked (laughs) up was it when the um? Because this is like the match that I like noticed it in was uh the the Saudi crowd is doing the one two two sweet, and they're doing. Okay, so when the Viking Raiders were in the ring, um, the normal chant for the War Machine or Viking Raiders or whatever, and when they were in New Japan and Ring of Honor, was the crowd would go, war, 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 war. The fucking Saudi crowd started chanting war, and my asshole puckered just a little bit. Yeah, everyone, is, everyone does still do it, because what are they? they're the Viking Raiders, aren't they now? They're the Viking Raiders, because they can't say yeah. war on USA at the moment. Like, that's that's what I've been I'm told really, is yeah. the thing. Yeah, apparently it's a USA thing, and you're like... They don't want them saying war, yeah. I swear weirder stuff has happened on Raw recently. Well, yeah, of course weirder stuff has happened on Raw recently. You had the Fiend kidnap kids not long ago. <laughs> like Most for kids... one of his one of his bloody um Firefly Funhouses, he kidnapped some children. Well, by the way, we never saw those kids again. Well, no, of course not. The the he needed they're all to, dead. He needed to rebuild the. Well, uh, I, if 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 it's up to me, Seth Rollins burned that house down with those children in it. And Holy shit! Oh my god! If Monday Night on Raw opens with the feds turning up and arresting Seth Rollins for manslaughter. Well, because you know when they did that that last Firefly Funhouse and they did the little memorial segment for. Uh, for Ramblin' Rabbit, because he had died in the yeah. fire. If there were just a couple more pictures of, like, the little dead-behind-the-eyes children sitting on the ground, and they were just like, <laughs> Seth didn't even bother looking anywhere else. He just burnt the fucking house down. Like, at least when Randy Orton burnt down the the shack or whatever, like, there might have been a ghost there. Who knows? Or, like, the ashes of somebody. There were fucking children in fire. My fun house and Seth Rollins was like, I'm gonna burn it down. Wrestling, the wrestling we're doing here is fucking realistic. Meh. <laughs> oh my god, if at the memorial ceremony, uh, this might only be funny to me, so sorry if no one else laughs. If the ceremony for Rambling Rabbit ends and the camera panned round to see a load of dead kids. <laughs> <laughs> And their bodies just still simmering. <laughs> and, then, and then it pans back and it's just a local officer interviewing Bray. Oh, that would have been amazing. Oh, oh my God. 
<laughs> and it's just Bray going, yeah, he, he has it, a beard and he talks really weird. <laughs> it pans over and it shows just like skeletons, small skeletons sitting in a semicircle, right? And it just pans back over to Bray, who's just like, yowie, wowie. <laughs> and then it does like some fiend shit and then it cuts away the whole little, yeah, or whatever. And then it's fucking like, Oh my god, that would be so fucking funny. That would have been, that would have been, oh, that would have been hilarious. Kids, where? Uh, I, okay, I'm gonna steal another quote from The Simpsons. Won't somebody please think of the children? If they turned Seth Rollins' character into a heel child murderer, he burnt down. That would be boozy. He burnt down the Firefly Funhouse, arguably the most over thing in the company. Filled. With children! And everybody's just like, burn it down! No! Go to jail! Lock him up! Go to jail. If you go to WWE Raw anytime soon, please start chanting, go to jail, instead of burn it down. Somebody show up with a sign that says, lock Seth Rollins up, he's a child murderer. You will have our undying gratitude, and we'll put you on the fucking podcast. We'll put you. you, code, on you, will you come on and tell us. Uh, so the Good Brothers won a big cup. And yeah, I think well, that's sorry, all. A trophy. It wasn't a cup. I would give this. Oh, what's half an hour long and super boring? Uh, talking to Scott McCloud. Oh fuck! <laughs> He's my nemesis now. So I've got to take shots where I can. Yeah, I have not been. I, I apologize, but I have not been keeping up. I, I wasn't aware there was a heel turn that happened. He, um, he, I, I dubbed him my nemesis on a podcast. I can't remember what we talked about. Well, yeah, because everything just sort of blends together after a while. Yeah, um, yeah I don't remember why. <laughs> so um, I would give this um, what's half an hour long and is really boring. Um Oh, um, the the like the time it takes for you to get into a restaurant and then to be seated when it's busy and you just like have nothing to do and you're just sort of sitting on those really like awful benches or whatever. Oh, and, but, yeah. and then you have to sit around and watch everybody else's like little like thing vibrate so they get their seating. And at some point, inevitably, you're always just like, I was fucking here before that guy. The fuck? The fuck? Uh. Do you know what's super bad is when you're super hungry? So, you know, you reach that point where you're too hungry to drink because you're so hungry. So they say, oh, just go wait at the bar. But you're so hungry, but you have to buy a drink still. Yeah. So you just like, oh, I'll just nurse this beer. But you're like, oh, I'm so hungry. Oh, now I'm getting kind of drunk because I've not eaten all day. And, um, yeah, crown jewel. Uh, Mansoor and Cesaro is next. Uh, you're missing, you're missing Rey Mysterio's promo. Oh, how could I forget? Okay, don't worry, I've got this. Cesaro v Mansoor was next. <laughs> <laughs> well, he shouts. Uh, he, he shouts in Spanish. Like yeah, no, he, okay, so he shouts in Spanish and roughly translated. He did the whole. This isn't a prediction. It's a spoiler. I'm gonna fucking like, I don't know, beat you up, Brock, like. That's essentially what he did. I'm going to avenge my son, and that's not a prediction. It's a spoiler. Spanish, Spanish, Spanish. I'm Rey Mysterio. Mansoor. Oh, and imagine if Seth Rollins killed Rey's kid. 
to really embrace his new gimmick. He just walks up and snaps his neck. Just, yeah. Boom. Done. Yeah, Cesaro V. <laughs> For the third time, Cesaro V. Mansour's neck. Cesaro Mansour is obviously crazy over the crowd love him he's from saudi arabia if you've never heard of him he's in nxt goes down to the pc he's not really been on tv fucking hell i'm like rhyming here and uh <laughs> he's not really been on tv but he's still crazy over cesaro as we discussed before kind of just took off his shirt and it came down to the ring yeah <laughs> he's essentially just, yeah. just wearing like three quarter length cut off jeans and some and some like nike trainers yeah, essentially, they're called. We call them high waters here in the uh, in the states. I don't know if like like you guys call them the same thing, but he's got these like whack ass high waters on and like ankle socks and some Adidas shoes. Um, and he just went out there and proceeded to fucking kill it with this developmental talent, Mansoor, who isn't bad. Like he was able to keep up with them for large portions of the match and how much that has to do with Cesaro is like up to debate, you know, so pretty much. No, he was, he was decent. Like I don't, after this match, I was thinking, why is he not on TV? Like, why is he not on NXT? Because I, he, he is crazy good, but then I've got to remember who he's in the ring with and also who's featured on NXT at the moment. So, but he this was a really good match it was crazy back and forth mansoor was getting all the all the big moves in and cesaro was basically playing your classic kind of heel cutting him off at every opportunity but for me i don't know you this was match of the night um yeah yeah this is definitely match of the night um i i'm it's like tied with the women's match uh just for like scale and like feeling and everything um i think it was it was really cool i do remember to a certain extent getting um i don't want to say choked up it was cool to see these people so behind mansoor and it's cool to see somebody actually win in their hometown or home country or whatever and um it wasn't like cesaro went out there and laid down for him he like he he helped put the kid over and at the heart of everything this match is what professional wrestling is. You have the more established guy to a certain extent. You have the more like veteran guy going out there and really just fucking putting the new guy over where he should be put over. Because if Mansoor hadn't won here, the fucking crowd would have turned on it on the whole show and it wouldn't have been as good throughout. So uh, thumbs up for this match. Like, I, I no sarcastic little rating for this match because I was just really super insensitive to the Saudi people. Um, <laughs> but for all, yeah. of, but for all of your blood money, you earned an NXT talent who's over. So good on you. Yeah, I think Mansoor showed he showed certainly some good stuff. Like he showed that he wasn't just because the worst thing that could have happened if if this match sucked, but Mansoor won. Because then it's just showing that Mansoor isn't really up to it. He's just there because of his ethnicity. But no, he put on a killer match. And he was definitely part of it. I know he's in there with one of the best best around. But he definitely he held his own. And he showed some inventive offense as well. Uh, he did some good stuff. He didn't. There was no messed up bits in this match that I could tell uh, for what that's worth. And they got the crowd into it. And it was just a cool moment 
for it was just a cool moment for the crowd. Uh, Mansoor got the win with a big. The guy's got a hell of a moonsault on him. I uh, see. Okay, so I, I was hoping you were going to bring the moonsault up. Is it a missed opportunity that they didn't call it the mansault? Oh, I don't know because mansault—that's kind of a euphemism. Is it? Well, mansault. Still not catching your meaning. Never mind. Everyone else will get what I mean. But well, no one left out. Mansault. Uh, come. Oh, it's because it's salty. You should see salty. a doctor. <laughs> you should see a doctor. You should see a doctor. Because <laughs> I've never... Listen, I've dropped plenty of load into plenty of taste buds. <laughs> and not once has anybody come up and been like, mm, mm, God damn, that's salty. You know, like... <laughs> what the uh... fuck is this? I don't know. They could have called it whatever they want, but Mansoor. I can't think of anything better. Okay, he won with the he won with the Mansoor and uh, for for the win after some good near falls. He even got the kick out of the kick up uh, uppercut thing. I don't know what you call it. Elevated European uppercut. Oh, the pop so, up uppercut dealy. Pop yeah. up, yeah, pop up uppercut. He did a promo afterwards where he talked about how this was the most important match of his life, how he was crazy nervous, but the people gave him confidence. Crowd mega into this. This was entirely for the Saudi crowd. Uh, he spoke in Arabic as well. And yeah. And up next, the other big attraction, huge attraction, all six foot nine of him, Tyson Fury. But first, Braun Strowman came out and then... Tyson Fury, if you've ever watched any of his boxing, his entrances in particular are always a spectacle. He's a showman by trade. Uh, so he had the an incredible entrance. He came out in kind of a Saudi getup, I guess. And yeah, entrance, entrance is on point. Entrance, he gets wrestling completely. Absolutely. He absolutely gets wrestling with just that incredible Isley Brothers. Uh, it's your thing for like an uncomfortable amount of time because of how like different sets of pyro went off. And then he appears in that traditional Saudi, uh, Saudi garb or whatever. And like people fucking popped for this guy. Like I'm not too familiar with him over here in the States. I'm also not a big boxing guy either. So like, it was very interesting to see what he was willing to bring to the table, and this was crazy. Yeah, if you ever watch his boxing stuff, like he is a showman. He's very much that Conor McGregor kind of vehicle fighter. I think if you listen to the WWE After the Bell podcast um, and listen to Triple H talk on that about Cain Velasquez, about how Cain Velasquez has signed a multi-year deal, but Cain Velasquez isn't a Conor McGregor, isn't a Tyson Fury. He's not a Floyd Mayweather in the fact that they're showmen, they let their emotions ride. Um, Tyson Fury is the total opposite of that. He gets the show business part of it. And um, yeah, his entrance is spectacular, as you say, in the Saudi garb and the headdress or whatever it's called. Sorry if I've got that wrong to anyone. And uh, he absolutely gets. They have a match. Now, it's not. A five-star classic. No. 
Really, which is weird considering Tyson Fury has never had a wrestling match. But for a man who has never had a wrestling match, I thought this was pretty good and fun. Yeah, absolutely. I not see anything wrong with it. Because you've got Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman himself isn't a seasoned vet. Like, no one's calling Braun Strowman a veteran at this point. Like, he's, what, four or five years in himself? And Something like that, yeah. I thought this was pretty fun. Like, Tyson Fury as well. Tyson Fury is, like, they might bill Kane and people like that as seven foot. Tyson Fury is legitimately six foot nine. And he is a big guy. And I thought they had a lot of fun. I thought this was pretty damn good. I enjoyed it. Uh, Tyson Fury gets to win. Braun Strowman is on the apron but the other side of the ropes Tyson Fury big right hand obviously he's the boxer Braun Strowman can't get back in the ring uh this was just kind of a slugfest we got to see the best of Strowman he did his kind of lap around the ring for a big shoulder tackle a couple of times uh Tyson Fury doesn't really get selling so much like he would stay down for three or four seconds after a move but then get straight back up uh, but what did you think of it, Jimmy? Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, I saw that one video of him getting like knocked out, but then he rises up like the undertaker and like, they tried to recreate that spot yeah. a little bit in this match. And like that worked. Um, the only thing that really honestly stood out to me, uh, that was negative in this match was, uh, Tyson waiting for the, uh, the body press spot where he just sort of stood in the corner and waited for Braun to stand up before he did anything like that. That was really the only thing that stood out because the Tyson Fury just kind of gets it. Um, and um, it, it's, it's interesting to see somebody who gets pro wrestling as much as Tyson Fury does when this is really his first, like in ring on screen performance as like a pro wrestler really like i mean he took bumps he de- he ended up taking two uh power sl- running power slams from uh braun Strowman. um yeah i mean honestly for what it was top marks for everybody involved i mean yeah. i i think this really just worked out for everybody yeah 100 percent. and there's been a lot of talk on how much tyson fury is getting for this and i don't i don't really think that's relevant anymore when we're talking about the wwe like, I, I'm beginning to put the amount wrestlers and people are paid at the very highest level to the same as footballers or soccer players, if you're American. Um, but, like, when they're like, oh, this person's getting this amount of money, you're like, yeah, that doesn't surprise me anymore. Um, so, but I think Tyson Fury 100% gets what wrestling is. Was yeah. it as good as Ronda Rousey's WrestleMania wrestling debut? No. No, it wasn't, but it was never really going to be. And considering this is a guy who is getting ready for the biggest fight of his career against Deontay Wilder sometime in February, which seems a long way away, but it's not a long way away if you get injured wrestling. Um, he took a he took more bumps than John Cena fucking did in Australia. And John Cena was just saving himself for a movie. <laughs> and to, to that to that point, though, where um, Ronda Rousey was not fighting for a couple of years 
before she came in. So, like, a lot of people like to say that, and not to dismiss Ronda Rousey and how good she was, because she was absolutely fucking fantastic. But um, Ronda Rousey had the time to train and get comfortable because she's a performer who likes to be comfortable in what she's doing beforehand. So before that WrestleMania match, she had signed, in air quotes, uh, with the company in January, and she wasn't in the ring until April. So that at least is four months. This Tyson Fury thing started at the beginning of the month. So, like... Tyson Fury's had a couple of weeks. So say after his match with Deontay Wilder, which which whichever way that it goes, whether Tyson Fury wins or he loses or whatever, he could definitely just come in and be kind of a force to be reckoned with. Like, I, I mean, performance-wise, entrance-wise, even in ring, if he's with the right people. Um, I think Tyson Fury knocked it out of the park here. And um, people that give him shit, like, because I've seen a couple of people giving him shit for a few things, and I totally disagree. Uh, I think that uh, Tyson Fury really fucking just went out there and murdered it here. Like, yes, he waited a little too long on certain things, and his selling was a little bit off. But this was a guy who's preparing for a huge fucking, like, actual boxing match with a heavyweight fighter. And he's going to Saudi Arabia to, like, you know, do... Uh, one wrestling match whether or not this will continue whether or not this becomes something that he's going to continue doing after his boxing career or what have you this was entertaining i was absolutely 100 percent entertained and i'm going to give this match gold schlager you know the the, the vodka with the little vodka. bits of gold in it yeah a little bit of gold in it wow that's that's pretty that's pretty high high marks but again just to reiterate your point, this is Tyson Fury's coming in to do this as as potentially a one-off, hopefully. I actually, I hope it's not a one-off. I would quite like to see Tyson Fury with more time and without getting ready for big boxing fights. He has said in the press recently he thinks he may be as three more boxing matches left in him, like including a Deontay Wilder one coming up in February. He thinks maybe three. And then he might be done. Like, and maybe that's the case of sometimes fighters just lose the hunger to legitimately fight, as Ronda Rousey did. Like, she could have carried on fighting, uh, but she didn't. Well, she didn't want to. Any, she she didn't want to anymore. And um, just like, yeah, I, 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 I slightly I disagree with that. Just to where she didn't lose her her want to fight. She got it beaten out of yeah, her. Yeah, she got. She got. Yeah, maybe. I, yeah, okay. That's that's fair, but. Tyson Fury is at the very top of his game in a minute, and he is already—he thinks he probably has three more fights left in him. Um, whether those go his way, whether they don't, it doesn't matter. I think the guy, one hundred percent, has a future in this industry, though. Oh, I think he gets uh, yeah, it. For sure. The entrances alone, the this this elaborate entrance, it is grander because it's of the huge stage that Crown Jewel is in terms of spectacle, not in terms of wrestling. Um, prep. Um, stature in terms of just the amount of money that goes into it and everything like that those aren't new he's been doing those for boxing for years those insanely over the top entrances he gets it and he talks the talk in boxing he also walks the walk uh i think yeah given more time he could legitimately has an absolute future this was a bundle of messy fun 
which is why I'm going to give it Spaceballs. Excellent. We got Spaceballs mugs. We got <laughs> toys. We got everything the kids want. What is it? Is it Lunatic Speed? Is that Spaceballs? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like, give me Lunatic. They're like, no. Spaceballs <laughs> Flamethrower. The kids love it. They, did you uh, hear that they were trying to do a sequel to that called Spaceballs yeah. 2, The Quest for Money? It's just stupid. <laughs> no, leave Spaceballs alone. But, uh, post-match, Braun lays Tyson out with a uh, power slam. After the cat, Tyson wins by countout. He doesn't win by knockout. And uh, Braun hits the power slam, walks up the ramp. Tyson gets up Another another little quickly. Thing, and, another little thing is, though, that I, 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 I hate to cut you off, but like the, when he... Uh, he takes the two power slams, and Braun's coming up the ramp. He sells for a, a, like an acceptable amount of time, and then he sits up and he is he's on camera yelling at the referee like, "What? You didn't see that? Like that's classic wrestling. That is classic yeah. wrestling. hundred percent. This guy gets it. Oh, we complete. Well, the other thing with Tyson Fury, I've not said that he is a fan. He's a legitimate. WWE fan like he's talked about his fandom of WWE long before this if you go back and listen to interviews he's done he's talked about his love of wrestling and how he actually watches WWE so he's a proper fan like the same as uh, everyone said Ronda Rousey was Tyson Fury is the same Uh, he's a proper wrestling fan Uh, I, I, I really like the guy I think he's great he would be great for this industry I know he has said some stupid stuff in the past. Um, but I mean, look at what like some long everyone has <laughs> wrestlers have done and said. Like, if you think of like the bad things Randy Orton has done, or just like any number of yeah. uh, Hogan, like uh, like Tyson Fury may have spouted out of the mouth. I mean, I fucking do that on this podcast regularly. Like, you know, like it, Tyson yeah. Fury, like. At the baseline, he just gets it, man. He just gets 100%. it. He, he 100% gets it. Um, yeah, so Braun v. Tyson, I had no issues with it. But there was issues if you really want to nitpick it. It's the guy's first ever match, so be quiet. Uh, post-match, 24-7 time. The other Singh brother that wasn't the champion wins the championship from Truth. Truth says a funny line that I forgot to note down about something about that being oh something about how he, many he of you didn't are know there. there yeah he didn't know there was more than one sing brother so he got all confused and up next the wwe united states championship match hold AJ. on one second hold on one second what before we talk about this okay go ahead oh, oh, oh. a j styles against hambalato Kalio. uh hambalato Kalio. Carrillo. He won the Battle Royal in the pre-show, if you remember, when this podcast started. And, when um, we the... start talking about Humberto Carrillo, can we just get that like riff under us from the, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? Dent, 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 dent. Oh, yeah. I forgot. He's dressed as a Power Ranger again. He the... is a Power Ranger. Oh, 100%. The Good Brothers are at ringside with their trophy that they won so long ago and yeah these guys exactly what you expect to be it's a it's a top quality match aj works over korea pretty pretty well just around around the ring hambolito 
is hitting all sorts of offense, lots of arm drags, lots of lucha stuff in this match, which really differentiated himself itself from everything else. Um, the end really comes when Hamburto was it Are you when adding he... an L? You're adding an L in there. Well, Hamburto. Um, it sounds like you're saying Hamburlato. Oh, sorry. Um, Humber. <laughs> I'll just say it like an English version. Humberto uh, did kind of a. I think it was a backflip out of a backdrop, and then he landed and began selling his left knee. Was it out of a backdrop? Yeah, I think it was that uh, that one where he um, he does like the arm drag from the ground, like he does the uh, the spring off the ropes and uh, does the arm drag up and over. But when he landed, he started selling the knee a little bit, and then uh, AJ just sort of like went right in on it and yeah. then beat him again with that. Yeah, you, it kind of from that point you expected either kind of a roll up or AJ to win with the calf, the calf crush or the calf killer, whatever you call it. But he gets the calf killer in, and uh, Humberto reaches the rope, and eventually it comes down to it. AJ hits a phenomenal forearm for the win after a missed moonsault. And good, good match. These guys could probably have a better match on a different stage. I definitely think. I think their uh, match on Raw was better. They had a match yeah. on Raw the week before, and it was way better than this. I mean. The other thing, I know they're there for the threat of it. You're expecting it. But the OC did nothing either. Like the Good Brothers didn't do anything, which part of me thinks, okay, that's good because I expected them to cost Kalia the match. But they didn't. They did nothing. They were just kind of there, uh, which is kind of good and kind of me thinking, oh, you could have done something more interesting because AJ just won clean. There was no cheating in this match. Like So there's... And I kind of expected Coolio to maybe be the guy AJ to feud with going forward. But part of me, I think, like, oh, cool. Who is AJ going to do something with? But kind of I'm like, oh, Coolio is just going to be kind of lost in the pack now. But who knows? Who knows? I could be chatting shit. There's been no show since the show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're going into this without seeing anything else from the Raw brand at this point. So um, I'm interested a little bit to see like where AJ Styles goes next. But as of right now, raw does not have any real titles on it other than the U S title. And I mean, that's a stretch calling it a real title at this point, after what's been going on with that title, the last what, five, six years. Um, <laughs> if, if I had to give this, if I had to give this a rating, do you guys have uh, five guys, burgers and fries over there? We do indeed, my friend. Okay. So, you know, when, um, you're like looking to get a burger. You're looking to get something to eat. And you like, you're just like, ah, fuck it. I can go for a five guys. And you know, it's going to be good. You know, it's going to be damn pleasing. It's going to fill you. It's going to be great. Um, but it's not going to be anything special. That's what this match was. It was fine. It was just do you, fine. Do you go to five guys quite often? I uh, actually, yeah, there's like two five guys, like pretty close to where my house is. And I do get it, uh, like, o Uber Eats to my house, like, kind of frequently. <laughs> Beautiful. Do the chips or the uh, chip? The fries. Chip? Fries, that's it. Um, do they suck over there? They're kind of soggy. I like, And they overstock yeah. them. They always end they up. They are here as well. Yeah, yeah, because no, I think it's across the board. They fill up the little cup, 
or whatever. Like, say you get a regular sized one because they do regular and large. You get the regular yeah. one and they put the regular cup filled with fries in the bag. And then they do like another half scoop into the bag. So it gets you like your bag gets all greasy and shit. And like, listen, Five Guys Burgers and Fries, if you're listening to us, um, if you're listening to this right now, stop giving me the extra fries. Just stop. Okay, because I get it. They're okay. Um, they're, they're, they're made in peanut oil, which is like different and interesting and stuff, but they're also super salty and I don't need yeah. that. And they're yeah, soggy. Um, yeah. A hundred percent agree. So five guys, if you are or five guys, UK, um, for me, if you're listening, listen to what Jimmy just said to your U S counterpart. Why are your fries so soggy? Why? There's no reason you said, Oh, we cook it in peanut oil. Peanuts aren't wet. Like, fuck. It's almost like they used the fries to soak up a spill that ended up on the floor. Like, you yeah. know, when you get like a napkin that has like just like it's like got a little weight to it because it's got that like liquid in it and stuff. And like, I don't know, I need a little bit more crispness in my uh, my fries. Yeah. yeah. And stop putting your burgers in foil. Why foil? Oh, uh, I agree with the foil. No, I don't. No, it's pointless. It's... Um, it helps. It, it honestly, it helps the meat rest. Uh, like when you're cooking, like when you cook a steak, and you let the meat rest so it retains some of its juices. Um, the metal in the. I know, I know, it's wanky as fuck, but like it's that's what it's for. Okay. Well, speaking of wanky, but that's what it's for. Hulk Hogan cut a promo. And he was with Byron Saxton. He cut in, showing off his sick biceps. Uh, He called Byron Saxton double B. Uh, Byron looked confused at Hogan when it stands for beautiful Byron, brother. And um, he just said how Flair's never beaten him, which is a lie. And um, because he beat him in that first blood match in WCW that time. Yeah, but no one likes to talk about WCW. Ah, oh, shit, yeah, I forgot. And, uh, yeah, so Hogan hyped up the match. Up next, history in the making. Let's get to the very important bit from Hulk. <laughs> I was about to say something bad, but let's just talk about the women instead. No, 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 so, please, 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 please. I, I need I need the, the, the scales tipped back uh, into the regular position. Okay, so I was about to say from regression to progression. <laughs> that's that's pretty great that's pretty great <laughs> okay so uh brett hart's guitar sting hit and natalia came out tons of pyro uh to be honest we said this i can't remember if we yeah we did say this at the start of the podcast on the thing the pop for natalia when her music hit and her name came on that big screen my word were the crowd ready for this and we we talked a little bit about um in the Mansoor versus um Cesaro match about like getting choked up and i'm not afraid to admit that like i legitimately got a little choked up when they sh- went to those shots of the women in the crowd sort of like starry eyed looking at these women performing in front of what was it like 50 60,000 people in yeah. Riyadh that's just something that you like women haven't been able to drive 
over there for longer than two or three years. And like we maybe as a country take, uh, I mean, at least in America, we've had like the whole women's suffrage thing happened in the thirties, I think. And like, it just sort of seems normal to us, but to see the look on these, like, like they showed a little girl at one point who was just sort of in awe of these two women performing. And then we saw like, uh, like women who are like our age or women who are a little older, just sort of looking up at all of this. It just, some asshole fucking threw a water bottle at Natalia as she was walking out. And I hope that guy burns in a fucking fire. Um, but like, I honestly, my chest tightened when I was watching these women and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a little choked up about it now talking about it just because that's, that's amazing. That's like, say every, anything you want about WWE and their whole like Saudi deal with the fucking, uh, the, the blood money or whatever. But one of the big things that they had mentioned the entire time is that we want to be the force for change in Saudi Arabia. And within 18 months, we had a women's wrestling match on a pay-per-view in Saudi Arabia. Regardless of what you think of how pedestrian this match was, and it was, it wasn't outstanding. Like, it wasn't Charlotte and Becky or Sasha and Becky or, you know, whatever, or, or you know, uh, Sasha and Bailey or whatever. Like, it wasn't to that caliber. They only got seven and a half minutes. But for what it was, this match was... This is the biggest thing that's happened in the company in years, and God bless these women. And I know that you love Lacey Evans and whatnot, and I'm sure you were heartbroken that she had to come out covered head to toe. But, like, they were sans character and everything. This was just two women living out a dream. And, um, I mean, God bless WWE and these women for, like, being able to get that done. Like, top marks, again. For this yeah 100 percent. and uh i'll get the match out of the way first it was it was pedestrian um for wrestling wise i'm only talking wrestling wise when i say that uh the women were both very choked up as they were coming out but outside of the match the implications are huge and yeah there was the there was the prick who threw a bottle in italia and just um the guys after it whoever i'm gonna presume it was a guy um fuck that guy he doesn't deserve my time of talking about him so just fuck him but this this was massive it kind of showed what the wwe said remember the first um saudi arabia show they showed the advert for some show that had carmella in it in her full get-up of the um leotard kind of get-up and they got in a lot of trouble for that like the sports authority of Saudi Arabia made a comment about that, like calling out the WWE for doing that. And 18 months later, or a year later, whichever show it was, they've got wrestling on the card. Um, and whatever you think of the WWE, they do a lot of stuff that isn't necessarily right. They do a hell of a lot of stuff that's also necess- that is necessarily right. But they got women on the card for the first time ever. It's historic. And yeah, it was. I kind of watched it and I wasn't expecting to be as emotional about it. But seeing Natalia and Lacey come out 
Lacey in particular, who normally is someone that's 100% character orientated, um, seeing her even come up and getting choked up at the end after she, she taps out for the sharpshooter in the end and Natalia won. But they could barely hold themselves together. And it was kind of, it was a moment. And look, some cultures take a bit longer to come round to things than others. And I think we keep hearing from people who live in Saudi Arabia and that and outside of the bad shit that the country does that there is change coming. Maybe they're right. Like we had it. Yeah. We, we had it really. We had Renee Young. I know Renee Young isn't necessarily doing commentary anymore. Um, she is tonight. Um, at time of recording, she's literally probably, well, SmackDown would have started 20 minutes ago at time of recording. She will be on commentary now for SmackDown because of all the delays. But um, we also, when we get to the five on five match, we had Lana as well coming out as a performer. Yeah, for, for a second. Yeah, but she still came out. That's bigger than anything we had before. But Women um, definitely had a bigger presence on this show than they ever have, which is fucking fantastic. Oh, 100%. Because they see this as, um, whatever you think of wrestling, this was categorized as a sport, which meant women couldn't take part in it. And um, this that was, that was the original issue, was this was seen as this fell under the jurisdiction of sport in this country. And um, and we don't know them. we don't know what sort of restrictions they had to even let this match happen. So like Natalia and Lacey Evans, uh, having wrestled each other like a whole whole bunch over the last couple of months, it is entirely possible that they were told, "Hey, go out there and do a baseline match." So even if it was Charlotte and Becky or like any one of like I mean fucking any of the quote-unquote bigger names in the women's division um we we don't know what sort of restrictions they had on booking the match to begin with Ah, so like if natalia had gone out there and pulled a moonsault or okay so lacey evans does a moonsault from time to time right the the double spring moonsault thing if she had done that and broke like popped her knee out of socket and gotten injured in saudi arabia that would have been the end of it so the fact that they stayed on the mat, most of the match, uh, from what I can remember, and it, I mean, like I said, top marks for 100% of everything that happened in this. This was fantastic. They didn't need to be anyone else but themselves. Natalia Neidhart and whatever Lacey Evans' real name is, like, those two women made, made fucking history the other night, and... Like, like I said, just top marks, top marks. Yeah, and a hundred percent. And I'm now that we said all the good stuff, I'm going to say something negative, but it's got a positive inclination to it, which is when this match first got announced. There's obviously there's a lot of good good stuff about that. You're like, holy shit, WWE actually did something they said they were going to do, and. Um, and a hell of a lot of people started going, oh, they got women on the card. Why is it Lacey Evans v. Natalia? You're like, oh, we've seen this match. Like, you don't get it. The people who were thinking that way, you don't get it. 100%. Exactly. You do not understand that some things are a bit bigger than wrestling. This was genuinely bigger than wrestling. This was women being allowed to take part 
in a country that doesn't necessarily allow women to do a lot of things because of their culture, because of their history, because they're not quite modernized to the sense that we take 100% for granted. And uh, they weren't allowed to do those things, but they are now. Does this mean next next time we are going to be expecting this is going to happen again because they signed a 10-year deal now next time we are expecting women to be on the card if women are not on the card next time there's going to be a lot of questions asked but this was bigger than just wrestling and to just moan that it's not the match that you would have booked from your basement grow up a little bit just put put your booking hat down put your booking hat that you gave yourself down for a second and just realize that perhaps some things are bigger than your wildly amazing bet for ideas and um but yeah uh this doesn't deserve a stupid rating this just deserve history yeah absolutely it's you know what this deserves is um if you're a fan of the good place um there is a (laughs) thing in the first season where the main character, Eleanor, goes to a frozen yogurt shop and the Froyo, they have um, one of the flavors is uh, the feeling you get when your phone is at 100% charge. Yes. And that's this match. Because yeah, 100%. Go back and watch that episode if you've watched it already or if you've never watched The Good Place. If you're not watching The Good Place, go fuck yourself. Um, but, like, watch that scene where Eleanor takes the first bite of 100% cell phone charge. That's what this match was. God damn it. Like, I hate, because as much as I've been not watching the main roster and stuff, and as much bad things I have to say about WWE at the moment, they did this fucking right, and they actually did something of worth and change in a region that desperately fucking needs it. These women deserve to be on these cards. And yes, I know people are upset that there is no Evolution pay-per-view this year, but... You guys got to wrestle. They got to wrestle in Saudi Arabia. And hopefully next time, hopefully next time, there's two women's matches. And I hope they blow every other match out of the water because this was awesome. That's the bigger aim. And I would have loved Evolution too. Yeah, it would be incredible. It would be amazing. I also just don't want another pay-per-view. Like Survivor Series is in, what, three weeks? Like... I'm okay, guys. <laughs> like, can we not add something else to the calendar? But um, yeah, this this was this was great. As you say, next time let's get two women's matches, or let's get a women's tag next time. So we got four women on the card, and uh, that would be the best thing. But after that, from progression to regression. Because it's Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> but before this, before this, um, I don't know if you want to touch on this at the end or you want to just do this now. Um, they did announce in a promo package that Survivor Series this year would be Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT. It's gonna be, it's gonna be spectacular. Um, my only. We'll touch on it now since it's brought up because it seems silly to ignore it now. But um, I was talking to Carl from Rogue Opinions earlier today, and we were just talking about how the fat war games is the night before. Now, uh, if you've not watched NXT this week, shoot forward 
uh, it's 15 seconds at a time on your podcast app. So shoot forward 30 seconds from now. They are doing late uh, women's war games, which yep. kind of saves the women. That's the only match announced so far. So just presumably the problem is the Undisputed Era have all the belts. What what are they going to do? Presumably Adam Cole's going to defend the NXT Championship. And uh, in some manner featuring Balor and probably Champa, But then Balor's got to face Gargano. So it's kind of all... I just don't know what they're going to do there. Uh, what like? But I'm super happy NXT are going to be involved. My only mega downside is that Velveteen Dream is injured. And I don't think he's going to be back in time for Survivors. And he's legitimately injured. And I'm sad that we might not see Velveteen Dream. Yeah, it is a bummer that Velveteen Dream is injured. Um, they did have to write him off on TV a couple of weeks ago. And it is a bummer, but it only helped to increase the stature of the Undisputed Era. So uh, I think that the reemergence of the Velveteen Dream will be as epic as we're assuming it's going to be. Uh, I'm not sure what the injury was at the moment, and I'm not going to look it up. Um, but, uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sure he's not going to be gone for too long. Uh, and I hope he comes back as soon as possible and better than ever, which is, it's a fucking tall ladder to climb because Velveteen Dream has just been unbelievable from start to finish, Pretty like really forever. Is. Yeah. So super excited that NXT involved in Survivor Series, think- I'm sure. Do you think? uh, Yeah, go ahead. Uh, The the, uh, do you think that it'll be a lot of triple threats, or do you think it'll be like, like a division sort of like, like some of them will be singles, some of them will be tagged, some of them will be uh, triple threats, some of them won't be. I mean, your instant inclination is to straight away say triple threats, but I I don't think they can do it realistically. Because they've got war games tonight before. I just don't think they can. Like, um, they're going to have, like, Shayna Baszler, Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, presumably are all going to be wrestling on war games. You, w- you would think. And um, unless they just do the war games match that they've already announced, and then the rest of it is just kind of filler stuff but i'm also think that they could just do something where william regal just puts the best fo- person forward like keith lee dominic dijakovic um kushida is unfortunately injured as well and uh he's done something to his wrist i think but they could also get matt riddle and maybe put him instead put them instead of the champions i mean They've also got Team Kick that they could use, but presumably Team Kick are going to be in the War Games match they've already announced. I mean, I think that takeover beforehand really throws it up as to who they're going to use. I I think it's Team Kick, Candice LeRae, and... No, it's it's not at the moment. It's just all it is is Shayna Baszler is one... So spoilers sorry guys we're just going to ruin this now it's been out for like two days uh three days by the time this goes up Shayna Baszler is one captain Rhea Ripley is the other captain of the women's war games but they've not announced who is going to be in the cages on their teams 
Oh, okay. See, because I haven't seen it either to this point. Um, but I had oh, okay. seen I had seen the clip of the brawl, and I assumed that it was the four women on either side of the brawl, where it would be Marina Shafir, Jessamine Duke, uh, Io Shirai, and somebody else, and then uh, Team Kick, Candice LeRae, and somebody else. Yeah, you would have thought that, but then in the brawl, it was five on four. Because it was Shayna Baszler, Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and then the Horsewomen. And then on the other side, it was Team Kick. Um, I've forgotten already. Candice LeRae and Rhea Ripley. So it was five on four. But all they've announced, actually, is Rhea Ripley is captain of one team and Shayna Baszler is captain of the other. They've not announced the competitors. Um, but you would I think that know, Shana, I just don't know think... how they could do it because they can't. They can't realistically put Shayna Baszler in war games and then have her come out and face Becky Lynch and Bailey in a triple threat. You can't. You can't realistically do that because fans know because so many people watch takeovers. So you, they've got to be smart about how they play this in the booking of both shows. Which is obvious to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, shit, you could yeah. have you could have women's war games not include Shayna, send Shayna to Survivor Series, have Bala v Gargano, have Undisputed Era in a six man against Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, and Johnny Gargano, and then just have some other then have Pete Dunn v Damian Priest, so you can still send Adam Cole. Shit, that's what they're gonna do, isn't it? Yeah, that's probably yeah. what they're gonna do, yeah. I've just I've just put takeover. <laughs> as soon as I was saying that, I was like, makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean it makes a lot of sense, and that's like the way that these things typically go is that the things that make the most sense end up on takeover, but we have yet to see what a takeover looks like post the USA NXT on USA era. You know what I mean? So we don't know what that looks like now. We don't know whether or not it's going to be the same sort of takeover. We may have seen the last takeover that like we were accustomed to at the last takeover. So definitely, and we've never seen NXT involved in Survivor Series. So yeah, before the main, before the main event, Team Hogan, Team Flair, Roman Reigns, Lusev, Ricochet, Ali, and Shorty G against Team Flair. God, I hate that name so much. Team Flair, right? <laughs> Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley, and Shinsuke. Nakamura. Match is pretty good. Five on five. Mostly it was them working over Ricochet and Ali for a lot of the time. Ricochet was also dressed as a Power Ranger. So two Power Rangers on the show. And cue uh, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers theme. Ba-boom! Ba-boom! There was some good good kind of spots in this match really what it came down to was everyone was fighting on the outside it was one fall to a finish uh ricochet took a hell of a claymore from mcintyre at one point and there was some the roman reigns doing a big dive over the ropes to the outside to take out everyone 
And it was just Roman and Randy left in the ring. A quick back and forth led to a Superman punch being reversed straight into an RKO, which sent the crowd predictably mental. Ric Flair then called for it. We all wanted it. Randy backs into the corner. He's looking for the punt. And he's cut off as he goes for it. Spear from Roman, one two three hogan's got to go over brother and predictable my only downside for this match i enjoyed it was flair and hogan didn't get physical no involvement whatsoever were you disappointed yeah i mean i guess i mean both of them are like ancient so like i don't really feel like if they got physical, it would be anything too entertaining because you're not going to, ha- I mean, flair being flair, he would take the bump if he got punched and he would bump and stuff. But like, let's not forget this man like nearly died last year. So like, I don't need any of that from any of this or whatever. And this match was a match and it, this was a way, the thing I can give this match the most, even in the buildup and whatever is that we we got the legends on the show without having to put them into the ring to do anything because we saw how well that worked out the last couple of times. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, let's not do that again. The my funniest moment was at the end when they were all Team Hogan were on the ramp and Rusev just came in between Roman and Hogan and just shouted, Team Hogan, baby! <laughs> Like straight down the camera. Oh uh, wow! Is that really what? Really cool. Oh yeah, my god! They're they're all on the ramp and they were all like in a line. And Roman and Hogan were together holding arms up. And then Rusev pokes his head in between Roman and Rusev, uh, Roman and Hogan. Sorry, and just goes Team Hogan, baby. <laughs> so okay, so uh, so you know how when we were first starting this podcast, we had like a a line where we would say that oh that's throbbing. What I feel was throbbing during this was Vince McMahon's erection when he saw Hulk Hogan and Roman Reigns holding hands, saying oh. Team Hogan, baby. Oh. And I'm sure somewhere Adam Cole was just like, motherfucker, <laughs> I did this shit everywhere, and you're going to give me this shit? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'm sure Vince loved this match. I mean, this was a, it was a good match. It was a it was a good match. Everyone got their back and forth. We had the Rusev and Lashley kind of standoff at one point, and even Lana came out for Bobby Lashley's entrance. Uh, she didn't come down to ringside. That uh, pop that pop for their standoff was pretty cool. I just remembered something that someone tweeted. Uh, this wasn't me again. And again, I didn't check who it was, but someone put, you know the laws must be serious when Lana's got clothes on. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> she she was the most dressed I've ever seen her, ever. That's the, like that this isn't us ripping it. She's a beautiful, sexy woman. She does a lot of modeling, uh, but she does a lot of modeling not wearing a lot, and that's all she posts on her Instagram. So we're not calling her anything bad here. So then <laughs> that's just it was just funny when she came out wearing a big old dress thing like she still looked gorgeous but it's just fun i just thought it was so true like if you follow her on instagram or a twitter she doesn't usually wear a lot so 
If you've been following WWE for the last five or six years or however long she's been around, she normally does not wear a lot. No. The fucking, I said this to you in a, in a chat, and I'm going to say it again. That dress she wore on Raw was slit so far up you could practically see what her lips were talking about. <laughs> And the fact that the fact that Jerry Lawler was in there for the King's Court or the Divorce Court or whatever you want to call it, and he wasn't in there having another heart attack <laughs> is beyond me. I don't want to know how good his doctor is. He's got he had to have bef- during the only reason they cut to commercial before the King's Court was so he could go to the back pop a couple downers so he could show up in the fucking ring and not just be like like this was the most contained i've ever seen jerry lawler and if you live in memphis i'm sure that means a hell of a lot more considering she's more of age (laughs) boom oh anyway i'm gonna give this a very uk rating which is turkey twizzlers um, Jimmy's not going to understand that. Turkey Twizzlers were spring shaped. They were li- they were shaped like a spring, and they were we were sold that they were made of turkey, and they were super yummy, very cheap. But ev- but then some a chef, uh, like a celebrity chef, exposed that they were actually made of shit, and uh, they were not made of good meat at all. So they got banned from schools and from school and from like dinners and stuff. So no one could buy them anymore, but they were super yummy. And that's what this match felt like. So I'm going to give it Turkey Twizzlers. Turkey Twizzlers. Okay. I don't, um, think, I don't think Jimmy knew what I just said. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Cause I Turkey Twizzlers. I'm just assuming like in my mind, when you say the words Turkey Twizzlers, I'm just assuming it's like Turkey jerky, but like spun into a spiral. Oh no. Yeah. Think of it. It's, it's Turkey. It was sold as Turkey meat, but it was m- like molded into a spiral shape. So like a spring, but then it was exposed by a celebrity chef that these Turkey Twizzlers from this company called Bernard Mannings. I think it was Bernard Mannings where, um, yeah, I think it was, we're actually just made of like processed crap. So then they got rid of them and we I, can't buy yeah, that them is, anymore. That is... They still, they don't sell them. So I'm just going to sell them as Turkey Twizzlers. Cause it was, it was just processed crap. All right. Well, um, if we're going to go for processed crap, I'm going to go straight with um, uh, fucking a Big Mac at like one in the morning. And it's like McDonald's is the only thing open. I'd rather I'd much rather have a White Castle than have uh, like a Big Mac because it's all purple goo. And that's what I'm going to give it. Purple goo. What's the... um? The burger company over there that sells all their burgers like in a square. Wendy's. How is it? Oh, okay. Wendy's. Well, I mean, also, also, um, the the little mini sliders uh, from White Castle. They're in squares. Oh, I love sliders. If I ever see sliders on a menu, I always get them. Cause they're damn good. Speaking of damn good, 
the WWE Universal Championship was on the line. Falls count anywhere. And Jimmy, what reason can you give me that this match can be stopped? Uh, none. None. This match could not be stopped for any reason. There had to be a winner, which they added the day of the show because everybody was ripping into them where they were like, oh, so this match is just going to go on for 40 years because yeah. they can't end this match, period. Pretty much. So this match cannot be stopped if the champion, the ultra cool, the legend, the guy you definitely want to go for a beer with, the icon, the <laughs> Seth Rollins. <laughs> Taking on The Fiend, Bray Wyatt. Uh, this match is contested under a red filter. And, yeah, I mean, it was pretty great. The Fiend's entrance was spectacular. I did have my, I think I messaged you as well, that I was surprised they let The Fiend have his dismembered head. Lantern. Was it you? Was it you yeah. that sent me the balls on WWE yeah, for having him walk me. out with a severed head a year after <laughs> they literally dis- like? I'm surprised he didn't walk out with Jamal Khashoggi's head. Fuck it. I'm just saying it. The Saudi Arabian government dismembered a man, and then a year later, Vince McMahon was like, "Fuck it. They won't remember shit." Let him walk out there with that head. And the fucked up is Jamal Khashoggi was like a like a husky man. And if if we, <laughs> I know you know where I'm going with this, but if we remember, if we remember properly, Bray Wyatt was is a husky man and was once called Husky Harris. So you have a fat man's head dismembered, and the fucking lantern wasn't even on. Did you did you notice that when he came out the fucking lantern? So he yeah, literally just walked out with a severed head. That's all he did. That's all he did. Yeah, the little light in the lantern wasn't working at first. Um, he got it on like halfway down the road. No, it wasn't on when it, it got to the ring. The big was it not? Oh, no, I remember it wrong. I remember it not being on when it came out. But I think then, oh, I remember now. Um, he got to the thing, and then one of the camera people got a torch out of their pocket and started shining it on the light uh, because it wasn't lit up at all. Random. Uh, yeah. Oh, right. so, Mrs. Kashuki is walking around in her apartment in tears. She is like, why? I, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Because this is so really good. only funny to us. And I'm, I'm sorry yeah. to the family. Oh, um, the for what been. I yeah, that was me that messaged you out of nowhere that just said the bulls on WWE for sending the fiend with a severed head like a year later. That is ballsy. Like, I really, I really want to anticipate that the Saudi people did not know. And then Bray just got out of his bag like 10 seconds before he was meant to walk out. And they were like, what's oh, that? He's like, oh, it's just a severed head. It's so it's like severed head. So it's like it's like the uh it's like the whole um nobody knew Velveteen Dream was gonna walk out on takeover with the Vince call me up on the back of his tights, but instead this time it was like 
Bray Wyatt's severed head. Can you imagine what that looks like backstage before he puts the mask on? I know we're breaking kayfabe here. Sorry, Wyndham Rotunda. But could you imagine that, like, he's just, like, walking around. He's got the mask, like, on his wrist. And he's got the fucking, the the lantern of his own head walking around. That's got to be so fucked up. I'm just imagining... Vince, Vince, Vince McMahon is a carny at the end of the day. He wants his best shit out there, making the most amount of money. Can you just imagine that the Saudi people go, oh, so what's the main event for the next Saudi show? Oh, it's the uh, the Fiend Bray Wyatt against Seth Rollins. They go, oh, we know Seth Rollins. What's this Fiend? Oh, he wears kind of like a clown mask, and um, he's spooky. He does all this weird stuff. Like, oh, cool, what's his entrance? Like, oh, he has a lantern. Oh, what's, well, he just has a lantern. Yeah, it's just a lantern. Anything? It's just, it's just a lantern. It's got a light in it. Yeah, it's just, just a lantern with a light in it. Oh, okay, okay. You've really emphasized that weirdly. Yeah, it's just a lantern. They're like, why do you keep mentioning it's just a lantern for his entrance? Yeah, just a lantern. Nothing weird about it. Like, okay. I mean, are you sure? You... Are you sure? Because you keep just saying it's just a lantern, and I think you yeah, protest too just, much. Uh, it's just a lantern, and he has a hood on, but it's just a lantern. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> the fact that they had this motherfucker walk out there with that. I'm surprised some of the people. I, I can't say that. I can't say what I was about to say. I can't say what I was about to say. Please. Okay, Nathan, just cut just cut this little part out because I can't I, I, say I, what I was going to say. Let me get time. Okay, go. Yeah, just, I mean, the balls on these guys, like, uh, it's it's definitely the optics were weird, but uh, overall, I did appreciate that they just sort of let him keep the entrance, because the entrance is fucking phenomenal, um, and everything visually that they do with The Fiend is fantastic, so, yeah, just, uh, I, 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 I can't hate it, I can't hate what they did with this, this is the match that Hell in a Cell should have been, period. A hundred percent, and it, it's just a lantern. <laughs> but um, just stop because you're gonna make me say the thing I made you cut out. <laughs> you didn't say anything that to cut. But, I know. Um, I know. <laughs> God damn it. But they um, because it's so good. No, they God they got it right. Let, let, let's look at the positives. Everyone was saying, "Oh, the fiend after hell in a cell. The fiend's dead. The fiend. The fiend was never dead. Everyone was just overreacting." But The Fiend won the Universal title on Halloween. How picture perfect is that? Literally Halloween. And The Fiend's yeah. there. The, the end of the match comes. Like The match is very... <coughs> um, you know what me, I just sorry. realized? You know what I just realized? We fucking fell for it. This is probably... Oh, everyone. everyone. This is probably what they were angling towards the whole time because they knew that the Saudi show was coming up on Halloween. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. You might be about to put me in the big time in Hall of Fame, but everyone, go back and listen to the Hell in a Cell review where I called people out for overreacting. Son of I a bitch! I said, I said, the fiend is going to SmackDown. That's what I go back and listen to it. I said people were overreacting. I said it wasn't that bad. And I said The Fiend was going to SmackDown. I am 100% correct. Uh, I'm going to have to call in the uh, the committee on this one, but... Um, Scott's HR isn't here. Scott's not here. 
No, no, no. I'm not talking about HR. I'm talking about the committee for the Big Timing Fucks Hall of Fame. Uh, that's also me, actually. Yes. Uh, yes mm, but you're the one up for review right now, so I'm going to say that you're not going to be invited to this meeting. Okay, so it's just you. And Scott. And Scott. I'm going to call in, I don't know, fucking Carl. <laughs> if you actually ring Scott right now. Dude, I'll fucking call him right now. <laughs> Do it. I will Do call, it. I, okay, I'll fucking call him right now. Call him. Call him, call him on uh, Facebook I'm, Messenger. I'm ring call- him. Don't I'm message calling him. him. What time is it in the UK right now that I'm calling this motherfucker? It's one o'clock <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> okay. Sorry, my phone is being slow. I'm not, so, I'm not, I'm not big timing anyone. I'm just correct. <laughs> okay, I'm calling Scott right now. Like, I'm going to get. I'll be so happy if he answers. <laughs> if he says no, I quit. If he doesn't answer, I'm also going to cut out the next, the last, like, minute. Okay. Okay. I'm calling. I'm calling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. This is such bad radio. (laughs) Really bad. This is so bad, especially because he's probably not going to pick up. God, and the face that he makes in his profile picture just is like so like what are you doing oh shit it's connecting Scott yeah I'm doing a podcast with Nathan right now um so you're you're on uh I just I need I need I need to ask you if we can add Nathan to the Big Timing Fucks Hall of Fame because he's bragging yes. about he's bragging about how he was the one who like knew that uh that the the fiend was going to go to SmackDown and that he was going to win the title and everything. So I feel like Nathan needs to be added to the Big Timing Fucks Hall of Fame. Can we get you to sign off on that? Yes, absolutely. You don't even have to give me a reason. He's in right now. Vindication. Fuck. <laughs> Fucking A. Fucking A. Thank you. Scott, just wait till you hear this back on the podcast, dude. This is. <laughs> we just spent like three minutes like going through I this. Really, I, need a, I, really, I need a order of nipper. Okay, bye, bye, bye. <laughs> so I've, I've, so I've been... Scott's out at the pub. So Scott was out at the pub and needed to order an Uber. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm in the big time in Fox Hall of Fame. I can't. I can't help but think a little bit that this is what you wanted, Nathan. No, because all I really pointed out was that I was Who's right. This, by the way, but like... I, I was right. I, I said he would. He. I, I said go listen to the Hell in a Cell review. It's brilliant. And um, I said, I said he would go to SmackDown, and I said he would win the title. Oh man. I'm well, such I, a I'm such a fucking legend. Oh fuck you, dude. <laughs> fuck <laughs> but, um, but in all sit like the fiend gets the upper hand after <laughs> Seth goes through some tables, he gets dragged up the ramp, there's a load of stomps on the top of the ramp. The fiend falls off the stage into kind of an area that's kind of closed off by some boxes. A load of WWE sparks goes off. Seth goes down. 
tries to get to the fiend by removing a box. Another spark goes off. He can't see. Fiend rises behind Seth in a very cool camera angle. Mandible claw sister Abigail. One, two, three. And uh, the fiend's the universal champion. Am I mistaken in that uh, I may have missed the setup for the sister Abigail, but like, did he do the mandible claw sister Abigail with the mandible claw? No, I think he, no, he had the mandible claw. Seth and was then struggling, Seth. and then um, Seth didn't fight back. The fiend just turned it into the man, into the sister Abigail. Okay, see, because I happened to look away for a second, like in between that, and I thought that he mandible claw sister Abigail him. Man, that would be cool. What would you call that? that mandible sister claw. Uh, the system sister uh, mandible claw. The sister Abigail, the Abigail, the Abigail claw. Oh, Abigail's claw. Abigail's claw. There you go. Um, but yeah, and I think that um, I mean the sparks went off like 150,000 football fields away from uh, Seth Seth's face, and he's like, "Ow, my eyes! Oh my god!" <laughs> and then uh, so, ah, I've got so much money. <laughs> I can't see over all my piles of money. Um, Get the help! My eyes hurt. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, um, um, but yeah, it's, I, I think that like that what really made it worth it was when the lights went out and then they came back on and the fiend Bray Wyatt was holding the title up instead of doing his cheeky little, like over the shoulder, like, did I do that? Oh, oh my. Um, like that whole deal. Um, he had that <laughs> cause you're picturing exactly. I think he's just like Urkel. Did I did I do that? Like, did I do that? <laughs> um, I know I went Fran Drescher on that one, but I don't care. Um, and then yeah, I think that shot should have definitely ended the show. They didn't need another pyro display at the end. I feel like we could have ended on the, you know, whatever the laugh is at the end. Yeah, I'm a bit. That is, I love the fiend. Before I say this, I really, really love the fiend. The one bit that I really struggle with is that laugh bit, where it's like whenever he does anything, then it goes to black, and it's just like, oh, 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 oh. like, that's the one bit that I could do without. Like at any point, not just like just now where he's won the title. It was cool the first like one or two times, but like they've ended events on it like three times or like they ended raws on it and pay-per-views on it and stuff. And it's like, it worked for me a few times, but now I'm like, like just with the lights going out after he's holding the title up and the fans and shit, I'm happy. We didn't get the laugh. I'm very happy. We didn't get the laugh. Yeah. Cause I think the shots of defeat, the fiend, Hey, the fiend looks terrifying. Whatever you could say about the red, like the red lighting, which we we need to touch on, obviously, Uh, the red lighting is someone who, and I think you do you wear glasses as you wear glasses as well, don't you, Jimmy? I do. Yes. So so do I when I'm looking at screens. For me, as someone who doesn't have the best eyesight, the red lighting is a big is a bit of an issue at times and that might just be speaking to my my eyes aren't great so um 
Let me the explain. Red lighting, let me explain the red lighting is a bit of a struggle for me. I don't know how it is for you, but I genuinely I end up missing bits even though I'm looking at the screen because I my eyes can't really comprehend the red lighting. Okay. Um, let me explain to you something. I am uh, I'm turning thirty at the end of the month, and um, my sixty three year old father and I have the exact same pre- prescription. So yeah. I yeah I have I I feel you I feel you like there were times I had to look away from the screen, um definitely um so I only really remember certain spots from this match but. For this match to go twenty-one plus minutes, um, yeah, it, we're missing we're missing a lot of stuff just because I I just think it I am too young to remember watching Kane when he had it in the red lighting because I only I only would have been five when Kane had the red lighting because I think he only had it in ninety-seven. So uh, I think you. Jimmy would have probably been a bit too young to remember Kane when he had the red lighting as well. Am I right in saying? You, uh, you're, only, you're only two and a bit old, years older than me. Yeah, I mean, I vaguely remember him having the red light. Uh, and that's when when they did it in Hell in a Cell. I was like, what is fucking Kane here? What the fuck? You know, um, so, yeah, I, I feel like they need to cut the shit out with Bray Wyatt. He's scary enough without it. Even if they did like the boxing entrance uh, lighting for his matches or something, I don't feel like the character needs this extra lighting effect for sure. Yeah, because they've been in. Sorry about the background noise, guys. But um, he they've not been doing it on the house shows because we've seen the YouTube videos of people who record the house show music. I think the fiend is strong enough for character without. I really do. I just don't think that. But this match was very spooky. And I'm going to give it Jason X. Which is the time that Jason Voorhees went into space. If no one has seen Jason X. Jason X has my favorite Jason Voorhees kill of all time. Let the bodies hit the floor. Where he takes the the two babes and he puts them in the sleeping bag and he like slams their bodies off the tree trunk. That's my favorite Jason kill of all time. Damn right. And then he goes into space. Yes. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. What did you think of the fiend versus Seth Rollins? I mean, it was excellent. I mean, we, we've been talking about it. I mean, this, this was excellent. Um, I know some people are kind of giving it shit. Um, but when I, but when I was watching it, the thing that kept standing out to me was like, I'm just going to replace the memory of this match with the memory of the Hell in a Cell match, and all will be right with the world. That's that's pretty much when when what went on in my head. I feel like they they definitely worked everybody, and I feel like a lot of high fives happened after this match because they definitely were looking at Twitter to see like, oh my god, holy fuck, he fucking did it. Fucking everything is saved. They saved him and stuff. And like even um and I hate to call him out because you know I love the cultaholic page and stuff. But um Adam Pacitti tweeted out and they saved him with a picture of the oh, fiend holding God. up the title. Um, so too much, isn't it? They worked. Not- they worked. They worked us. That's what happened. We got worked. We got worked by the system. We got worked. 
uh, that 74 year old genetic jackhammer. He, yeah, he, got he did. He got, he, got it, he got it. He got it right. And that's part of the thing where it's like everyone wants everything right now. They want it when they want it. And sometimes you can't, stories aren't told that way. You don't get things when you want them. Was the Hell in a Cell ending great? No. It was it was bad. It was it was really bad. And um but to say the fiend was safe, I don't think the fiend lost any steam from Hell in a Cell. Oh, uh, I if they didn't I, do this, if they didn't do this, he oh, definitely no, if he did if he didn't win here, if he had been pinned here, I'd be completely different. But he wasn't. He won. He won fair and square. So Seth Rollins, they, they Seth told, they told down, a story. They told a story. Seth Rollins burning down the Firefly Funhouse is bullshit. It never should have happened. He never should have been able to find the Funhouse. But because they are so into like slogans and like branding, he needed to actually burn something down instead of just saying it all the time. Ooh. And unfortunately, Bray Wyatt, like I know, hot takes, but like he like he actually needed to burn something down and that unfortunately was the firefly funhouse which came back the the following week anyway because that kills a lot of the the theories where like the funhouse is this other place and like the bray wyatt character that's in and right now we might be talking the biggest load of bollocks because like who knows what's going on in smackdown right now i don't know i haven't looked i haven't asked for any spoilers but like with Bray Wyatt, if he's in the, like, Mr. Rogers setup and he's in that funhouse, like, that could be happening anywhere. But for Seth Rollins to walk in there, that was the biggest misstep that they've maybe made in the last five years. And this has been a long fucking five years. And Yeah, and um, I think... Oh, I think with the Firefly Funhouse, as much as I love the Firefly Funhouse, and I'm going to play devil's advocate in this debate because i agree with a lot of what jimmy's just said but to play a bit of devil's advocate how many episodes of the firefly funhouse can they do like as creative and incredibly insanely creative if bray wyatt is as a guy and um how many episodes can you do at some point it's going to run out of steam. He's kept it going to this point, but um, having that twist of Seth Rollins being able to go there, that kind of adds to the mystery because we still don't know how Seth Rollins knew where Bray Wyatt was. Uh, he exactly. didn't tell us. He didn't exactly. write a map. So it adds to the mystery again. Um, but also, as I just said, how many episodes can Bray Wyatt do? When does the Firefly... The Firefly Funhouse can't go on forever. That's the sad thing about great about great things. It can't keep going forever with its cast of characters. See, but I disagree. I disagree because um, if Braun Strowman is to be believed in the interview that he did with Sam Roberts, uh, Scoops Roberts, last prof professional broadcaster, whatever <laughs> moniker he's, he's added himself... Uh, hack journalist Sam Roberts. Um, he huge cunt. Huge cunt Sam Roberts. <laughs> um, the last professional cunt broadcaster Sam Roberts. I mean, I'm fucking. I'm never gonna be on a show, so fuck him. Um, <laughs> but like, the thing, the the fact of the matter is, is that if Braun Strowman is to be believed in that interview that he had, 
he Braun Strowman said that Bray had spent nine months not even on the shelf. He was just off because Matt Hardy was off. And all he did for nine months was create this character and create storylines and create a world that exists around this character. I honestly believe that by this point, Bray Wyatt has so many different avenues to go down that it's possible that we definitely would have had a few more months. But I think them having Bray Wyatt, uh, uh, Bray Wyatt's Firefly Funhouse being burnt, burnt down by Seth Rollins was the biggest fuck up they've done in five years, at least. Um, I, I've got to disagree. I don't think it was a mistake. I, I actually don't. I think because the Fiend won at the end, I don't think it was a mistake because I don't think the Firefly Funhouse. The, Sorry, I always really struggle to say it. Firefly Funhouse. It is hard to say. It is very yeah, hard to say. Yeah, it is. Um, I bet you because I've got a lisp naturally when I talk, so it's, it's tough. But um, I don't think it was that much of a mistake. I really, I think they recovered nicely because they did that one where Bray did the funeral for Rambling Rabbit and the Firefly Funhouse was just back, which... It was just back. Like there was no no explanation was given. They didn't tell us how he rebuilt it or anything like that, which tells us that that Mister Rogers style character of Bray um, is just he can just appear and he he's just a backstage guy until the fiend comes out. I think maybe, but who knows? Because I think if it was one location, I think if Seth Rollins had burned down the Firefly Funhouse. And then it panned out and it had been my original theory, which was that Bray Wyatt had set this up in the burnt down Wyatt compound that Randy Orton burnt down. Then I'd be more annoyed. But I think Mr. Rogers Bray Wyatt, I hope people know what I mean by that. It's just a Bray Wyatt without the Firefly Funhouse presenter, Bray Wyatt. Um, I think that just shows that he's just a guy. He's just a really deranged guy who's just backstage and just sets it up wherever they are, maybe. And I think that adds interesting layers to the character that this fiend, the fiend character, I don't really know how to explain him, but I don't think it's a mistake. I don't think it, I think if you announced that there would be a Firefly Funhouse, well, not this week, obviously, because God knows where Bray is, but um, next week, I think people would tune in. He was supposed to be on Miss TV this week, and uh, I was actually really looking forward to how they were going to format that. Yeah. Where um, whether Bray was going to come out and be in the ring as Firefly Funhouse, uh, Firefly Funhouse Bray. It's tough, isn't it? It's very. I'm telling you, it's super that's hard. Why I go, that's why I go, Mister Rogers Bray. <laughs> it's the alliter. It's the alliteration that gets me. To be honest yeah, with you. Yeah. Um, and listen, I, I, I make money with my voice. So like to be able to not be able to say Firefly Funhouse without having to slow my cadence down bothers me all the time. Um, but yeah, if I was very intrigued to see what that format was going to be like, was Miz going to be in the Funhouse? Was Miz going to be in the ring as he interviewed uh, uh, Wyatt on the screen? Was the Fiend going to show up? There's a lot of unanswered questions there, especially now that he has the title. Here's my fingers being crossed, like little, my fingers are crossed so tightly. 
because I'm hoping that he gets that like custom title that I don't know if anybody has seen it. I know I sent it to the group chat uh, a couple weeks back that like uh, he, uh, let me in sort of inscribed uh, universal oh, title. Yeah, throw that. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know if uh, if any of the you guys out there in the listening world uh, have heard, have seen it. But there was this um, like custom title going around. I hope that he gets that, to be honest, because um, I really want to see the mythology of the fiend and the funhouse Bray Wyatt like grow, and I want to see what they do with it because this is the hottest thing in the company. And if they don't continue to run with it, they're making well, they, they they are they they are going to continue to run with it. And um... but who do they build uh... up? To it's um for the title at this point. I think they could build up. I hope it's not Seth Rollins. I because there's no rematch clause. I actually hope they give Bray Wyatt some competition that he ends up overcoming, but he can build new stars around. Cause he can't face. It's tough with Bray Wyatt and the Fiend character because. Him facing established people, it's so strange in the way that he basically, basically I, I'd like to see him face Alistair Black. I think they could easily build up Alistair Black for a universal that would title be, match. And I that don't would be think, cool. The trouble is, you need to put the Fiend character is designed to, he doesn't really sell um, in the psychological sense of a wrestling match. He doesn't sell. We've seen that. He takes seven to eight stomps her match against Seth, moves that have put down Braun, Triple H, blah, blah, blah. And um, so he needs to face people who can take those bizarre losses. I think a character like Alistair Black could take that um, as well and then move on from there. And then I don't really... Outside of Alistair Black, I'm struggling on Raw. Could then you let turn, me give you... Could you let me turn give... Drew McIntyre... To be a weird face and face to fiend, I don't really know. Let me give you four syllables. Let me give you four syllables that may be the most interesting thing to ever happen to WWE. Velveteen Dream. Uh, so the he's, experience he's, versus he's the inj- he's, he's injured for a while. No, That's I know, I know, but why not have Bray hold the title for like have him kill some people for four months? Or five months. You know, let him you, lead up to Mania. I think you could. I think the only trouble you've got with Velveteen, especially if you're talking about Mania, is that Velveteen's not established enough to get a proper featured match at WrestleMania. WrestleMania is a different stratosphere. Like, we aren't... We're not just talking fast lane. Like, WrestleMania is still... It's a different level. I think Velveteen, he'd have to be on the main roster for a while. And um, could the Velveteen Dream, thinking of his character, like, and I love the Velveteen Dream, Velveteen Dream beating the Fiend Not that feels he would beat, weird. Just those, <laughs> just, those, like, just those like promos where like the only person who could, in my head, get into the funhouse is somebody that can pop himself i think i think i think i think because the fiend is a spectacle you could and this is going to make a lot of people sigh 
you could do Fiend v Undertaker at a WrestleMania. But he has to beat him. He has to beat Taker. Like, if it's Taker, he has to beat... The only person that I am thinking right now that could beat The Fiend, and you could build it up, you could do the promos, is Demon Finn Balor. Oh my god, no, you were right the first time. What if... What if the door to that room Alistair Black is sitting in is the door to the funhouse? Wait, if Alistair Black's like the bouncer? No, not even. Like, he's been looking for a fight, and then all of a sudden you just hear the door, like, opening, and and fire, and and no, funhouse Uh, Bray walks in. Maybe he did. And he just says, well, you're looking for a fight. And the fiend doesn't forgive, and the fiend doesn't forget. And you know he's he like a little stare off, like he had that stare off with with Seth that was really really good for a second until he went. Did you see that whole thing where he was like, yeah. like, why are you doing this? That whole thing, that second where he was just like Seth, and he was like in his face, and he was like he was the fiend for a second but he's still Bray Wyatt. There's so many fucking layers to this. It's yeah. incredible. We could go on all you know day. Who about I, you know who I'd love it to be, but there's 0% chance of it being, is Luke Harper. Mm. I'd love there to be a Firefly Funhouse in like six weeks' time, and then there's a knock on the door, and in walks Luke Harper. What if Luke Harper is Rambling Rabbit? be really fucking funny because somebody is constantly <laughs> somebody is getting constantly killed and is never around but he keeps coming back every once in a while i don't know i'm talking bullshit at yeah, the moment we, we both are i'd love it to be but that's um crown Ju- the fiend uh on halloween won the universal title we're clearly both excited about it um that's i the, know the i thing. know what's happened on smackdown so far so I can't really say it because we are recording this right as the November 1st for you Americans or the November 2nd for us in the UK Smackdown is taking place. So I'm not going to say anything, but Crown Jewel, it was good. I would give it kind of like um, just kind of a pub pie and chips. Where it's nice, all the flavors are there, but it's cheap and cheerful, and it's not really the best. But I had a good time with it, and it was nonsense. Really, it it to be honest, it wasn't to be honest, it wasn't nonsense. Other than the tag tag team turmoil, which went on, I I'm pretty sure I I aged several years during. The rest of it was fine. Like it was just a fine show. And uh, with a great ending, and I, I actually really enjoyed watching it. Outside of the politics of the event, which we're not going to cover on this podcast. Um, you're on the wrong podcast if you want to hear opinions on that. But otherwise, I just, I just had a good time with it. Jimmy, what did you think of it? Honestly, I'm right there with you. Um, it was like, uh, for us Americans here, I'm going to say this was the Wendy's Biggie Bag. It was cheap. It was affordable. And it fucking filled you up and it gave you everything that you were looking for uh, after a couple of pints, obviously. Um, But it it really delivered everything. It righted some wrongs. It made some history. Um, 
honestly, like this was the be- easily the best out of the Saudi shows, and it had a lot to live up to considering at one of the Saudi shows, Titus World Slide happened. So, like, this was easily the best as far as a wrestling show goes, other than Tag Team Turmoil, which can go fucking fuck itself. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. And, uh, thanks for, li- for listening to us for so long. Babble on about what we thought. Yeah. Thank you very much guys. As you, um, yeah, it was just a fine show. As you heard at the start, go check out Untra- Uncanny Attract and, um, and Pro Wrestling Magic and everything. Uh, Jimmy, what are the links for those? Sorry. Uh, if you go on Facebook.com and you uh, look up Pro Wrestling Magic, you will find Pro Wrestling Magic. I am in there doing promos, and we will be starting Monday Morning Magic, 10 days from recording, 11, 11, 19, Monday Morning Magic, Monday ap- early afternoon magic if you're in the UK. Um, every Monday, uh, as soon as humanly possible, once we're getting done recording them. Um, and then Uncanny Attractions, Drags and Dropkicks, um, a Nightmare on Wyckoff Avenue, that's on Fight TV. And if you happen to have an Amazon account and you want to read some stories, I contributed some stories to a short story collection called Assorted, A-S-S-O-R-T-E-D. Um, I contributed some stories to that. It's actually really fun. And if you subscribe to the Nerdopotamus podcast, uh, I'm too many beers in to spell out Nerdopotamus. But uh, we did get uh, all of uh, a selection of those stories uh, read out by some of the best in the world at spooky voiceover work uh, going. So uh, my story is one of those stories, and it's called Overnight. Um, I really hope you guys check that out. Um, And for anything else, please go check me out on Twitter, MRRI0T. That's Mr. Riot, because Counter-Strike was a thing when I was a kid. Nathan, over to you. Yeah, so definitely go check out all those links. They'll be on our Twitter and our Instagram, which is rogue underscore opinions on both. So go check those out. We're also on Medium. So check out the link on our Twitter and our Instagram as well. We've had some great articles from Rahul Asnani on the Joker film that we talked about earlier. And Anthony has given his opinions on his beautiful but troubled football or soccer club if you're an American if you're in America sorry Oldham Athletic a good piece on there Carl's been writing pieces on women's wrestling such as Shayna Baszler's 365 day reign even longer now but her year-long reign as NXT champion and just his opinions leading into the impending war games match happening in nxt you can find me at nathan greenway you can find jimmy at mr riot that is m r r i zero t because he used to play counter-strike but otherwise strike that's what i said oh well we're, we're on a delay i think <laughs> otherwise guys thank you very much for listening and we will speak to you again soon bye bye
you wanna 